Welcome to episode 193 of the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. You have all three of us for at least an hour. Uh, yeah, everybody's partially <laughs> here. Uh, I'll be here for an hour. So, uh, welcome. Welcome. This is, for those who don't know, these. this is uh, Robert. This is Katie. They Shut are up. I can't help it. We have a so, life, I don't man. know if you told them the reason I wasn't here last week. I, I, I told them that you fell that, off a fucking ladder. Okay, didn't well, we into, didn't go into detail. Yeah. We just said you had hurt yourself. Yeah. I'm glad to see you mobile. Fell off the ladder and took a nap, which is probably okay. not what you should. Well, at least you didn't hit your head, right? I didn't hit my head. No, I hit my knee. I'd rather hit my head. God. It's true. Not much up there to hurt. No, I landed on my bad knee. Oh, Do you have a good knee? Worst. Yeah. No, my right knee. Oh, fine. okay. It's the left knee that's, yeah. My left well, knee is hey, my bad least, knee, too. At least you only hurt your, like, you didn't hurt both knees. So you didn't fall on your good knee, mess up your good knee, and you have a bad knee. So if we have to chop off one leg, it's only one leg. <laughs> At, so one of my kids today, it's funny you said that. One of my kids fell at recess, like skinned their leg up real bad. They were playing basketball. And I was like, okay. I was like, hold on. Let's take a breath. Are we okay? And he looked at me and I taught him last year too. So he's already had me for a year and a half. He goes, we don't need to amputate Miss Lewis. I'm like, okay, then you're fine. <laughs> we'll be okay. Let's go play. <laughs> I, asked, I asked Nathan in the chat if he could change uh April's name from whatever it is, what it is now to Bloods by Design. And he's not, he's like, I don't know where that name came from. It came from her old name. That used to be her name. Oh, uh, no, I don't know. No, it used to be. What did it say? Uh, it's our, it says, I don't even remember. Designer now. Exotics. Oh, something. Oh, okay. And then she came Bloods by Design. Cool, cool. Uh, I can't remember which one I ended <clears throat> up with 5 million stickers of, though, if it was the first one or the second one. I don't know. She put stickers on all of your shit that weekend. It was fabulous. Yeah, I found them in my like in my show tub. Everywhere like, months later. she could stick a little sticker. Found this in my wasn't car. like like peel the back off and stick it on something. This was just like put a loose sticker in this envelope and this bag and this envelope and this box. They were in like seven places of the car. What an asshole! It was great. She's a jerk. It was fabulous. It <laughs> could have been rubber ducks. What show was? Oh. What just Did you happened? See that? What, just, what happened? just happened? I pulled it up to scratch my ear and it just folded over all over my face. <laughs> oh, I remember what show that was. Never mind. Are these the normal headphones I use? Yeah. Hmm? I never had them do that before. That was the New yeah, Orleans. I just picked it up like this and it just went. I remember that was the New Orleans show because mm-hmm. there was a lot of there was a lot of drama there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so now uh, inside stories. So. <laughs> Let's go ahead and uh, do our sponsor stuff real quick. That's right. If you are looking for a high-quality PVC rack, look no further than Lone Star Reptile Racks. They offer a variety of sizes for snakes, geckos, rats, and more. You can even order something custom. Shipping is available. I'm so sorry. Shipping is available, or you can pick up at a herp show near you. Visit lsreptileracks.com to place your order today. I have to keep sliding your volume up and down. Why? Because you're very loud tonight. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know if they can visit the website right now because my website got hacked. Oh, okay. Well, reach yeah. out on Facebook. On Facebook. That's fine. Find Robert. Or don't. He, he can it's get cool you, either way. He can get you some, <laughs> some Christmas knickknacks too. Ornaments. Yeah. Lots of that ornaments. That stuff I can, yeah. I want to talk about Christmas stuff. Are we there yet? No, not there yet. All right. Little Shop of Horrors is a small feeder and pet supply business based in San Antonio, and they regularly schedule feeder meetups around San Antonio as well as other neighboring towns and cities. They offer shipping on their feeder insects, isopods, and are working on starting shipping on their feeder rodents, too. All feeders are raised on a nutritional diet that optimizes the health of reptiles and amphibians that consume them. Go give 
a shout out to our buddies over there at Little Shop of Horrors. Tell them, uh, tell them you heard it from us, and then they'll give you a discount. Uh, <laughs> Sam said loud tonight. Yeah, I know. I, I have control the volume. Exotic said they torn ACL in my left knee. I, it's definitely. I need surgery. I mean, there's no doubt about it. That's uh, the uh, anal side exotics. I know. I know you were gonna say that. You got to get it right. That's their business um, name. It is not. But the C stands for Canadian. Canadian anal side exotics. No. This person is killing murder hornets with one of those electric floss waters. Those are fabulous, by the way. They are great. James had one that was a tennis racket. No, no, we've we had one for a show once because the week before we had oh, our show there, there was that. a rodeo and there was just they left all the shit there. Apparently that's every time at that show lately. Really? Yeah. I remember JT told us. Oh yeah. It was fly apocalypse. Oh. 2023. Speaking of shows, which is Oklahoma. Yeah. It's Oklahoma. That's true. Herp shows coming up. Slide down <laughs> Louisiana this weekend. Go visit Rachel over at the, uh, why can't I not Southern remember? Reptile supply. Southern reptile supply. I just want to say Andy stables, <laughs> uh, Southern reptile <laughs> supply, right? Uh, Robert's wife, Rachel will be there. Go say hi to her. Then speaking of Oklahoma, Oklahoma city, Oklahoma, January 13th, January 14th. Watch out for the flies. Longview, Texas, January 20th, January 21st. Conroe, Texas, January 27th, 28th. That's my birthday. Come see us. Corpus Christi, February 24th, 25th. Huh? I said see y'all. You're not going to Conroe? I'm going to Conroe. I don't know, man. I... Baton Rouge, yeah. which is Gonzalez. March 2nd, March 3rd. Bryan College Station, March 9th, March 10th. And Rosenberg, Texas, March 16th and 17th. I don't know where Rosenberg is. It's like oh, that's Sugarland, Sugarland. That's the show close to Richmond, here. Yeah, yeah. It's about the same distance from here as the Pearland show was from here, just the other direction. Yeah. See, Sugarland. What about? I get it that it's in. If we can say the Baton Rouge show is Baton Rouge, even though it's in Gonzales, we could have said the Rosenberg show is Sugarland. Yeah. Well, or just called it the South Houston show still. Yeah. But nah, I don't. People that live here know where Rosenberg is. So I live here. People that lived here for you know lived here for almost three years. I don't know what to say about that. I don't go that way that often. It's true. You know, last night we had to go to Walmart, and I went to that one instead of ours, and it was a much better experience. That Kroger on the way over there is nice. Is it now that we're talking That's about where are we yeah. going? Grocery stores in around yeah. here. Which direction? Towards Sugarland West. Oh, like Missouri City, yeah. Fresno. Yes. Yeah. Not like Missouri City, Missouri City. Yeah. yeah, I do like the stores over there. Everybody enjoyed our story about yeah, where you're shopping. There's absolutely nothing to 99% of our... Maybe Megan. She's about the only one listening to this. Megan's like, yeah, I didn't anything. know those places. Yeah, because that's where she goes. It's down uh, that way. Also, uh, VivTech products. If you need to buy a UVB LED light bulb, if you have not bought one from VivTech yet, I don't know what your problem is. Go to VivTech and use code GUMBO22 and save 15%. Buy all of your UVB bulbs from them. They are amazing. They last forever. You can also go buy all of your smart devices. they got great cameras for putting... In cages, outside of cages, anything you want, go check out VivTech products. Use code GUMBO22. Save 15%. Also, we will be doing a giveaway at the end of this episode. I'm going to wait. We'll do our giveaway, our November giveaway for the shirt that was done by Colossal Constrictors. You're going to forget. I will not forget. I've got it pulled up on here. Okay. Uh, We're going to do that giveaway then. Speaking of giveaways, it is December. And just like last December, our friends, again, at Colossal Constrictors are amazing. And we are doing a giveaway every week of December, sponsored by Colossal Constrictors. Was that really a year ago? It was last December. God damn, this year has gone by fast. So this first week, I'm going to do the drawing the week after. So this first week, the drawing for that will be next Wednesday, because that's when we're recording. This has been the fastest and the longest freaking year of my life. Oh, I can't believe it's already Christmas. Yeah. That's cool. You're not important, James. You do it to us all the time. So Yep. Oh, wait, I can mute y'all. Can I talk about the Christmas stuff Let yet? me get this. Uh, God damn it. 
Uh, anyways, Colossal Constrictors. Week one will be a Redline Science scraper set, which I know when I first heard about the scraper set, I'm like, that's stupid. But then I bought one. That thing is awesome for scraping urates. It's got the, uh, the plastic scraper and then also a little scraper tools. It's wonderful. You get one of those this week. It's week two, giving away Redline Science probe kit with pouch. Week three, three bags of Cocoa Blocks bedding. And then week four, a digital scale for those weirdos that like to weigh their snakes. I don't know what a single one of my snakes weighs. People ask me all the time, what does it weigh? What is it? I got nothing. It weighs like a snake. But, I bought one a long time ago because I used to be one of those people. Now I don't give a shit. You have no, uh, like, it, it I weighs. used it today to weigh change. We, oh. So I counted pennies today. Nice. I weighed 10 pennies, three different sets of 10 pennies. They all weighed 20 grams. So that means a penny weighs two grams, by the way, in case you didn't know that. Good to know. And then I dumped like 2,800 pennies in there and <laughs> it gave me the thing and I divided it by two and I was like, okay, that's how hey, 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 And it was hey. like spot one. We don't do math here. Yeah. It was a hard <laughs> one. And I used a calculator. A ca- old calculator. Mm-hmm. The thing you would never have in your pocket wherever you are, we're going right. to be. I have two on my phone because I have a construction <laughs> calculator. The C comes before the L. I don't know if y'all know that. Cal- calculator? Uh, so anyways, <clears throat> to get into our December giveaways, all you got to do, go over to our Instagram or our Facebook and tell us one th- reptile or reptile-related product you are hoping to get as a gift this Christmas. And you're in. And then each week, we will draw from those people, and one person will win each week. Only one person can win uh, in that month. You can't win twice, is what I'm trying to say. What Words. if I don't want a washing machine? I mean, I'm sorry, I'm reading one. What? Machine. What if I don't want a reptile-related um present uh then you can't just make it up you just make it up just i can't enter anyway that's true you know. uh so go over there tell us what you want for christmas and also while doing that go give our friends colossal constrictors a like on instagram at colossal constrictors and on facebook follow them they're wonderful people they, they volunteer to give do these giveaways and it's great so go like their stuff give them a follow and uh i think that's it What's your, what do you want to talk about, Katie? Well, before you bring I, our guest in. Yeah, well, you can bring your guest in. Are you sure? Might, because you yeah. were yelling at me about wanting no, no, to talk no, no, about no. Christmas stuff. He may have stuff like this at his shop, and we and can I don't, I don't want Chris. I don't want Chris to get yelled at by you in case he decides to talk. I like Chris. He's not. I'm not going to yell at Chris. He's, he's going to try and talk, and you're going to yell at him and tell him, hey, so I want to talk about You don't like James? I mean, there, it's There's a lot times, of times. Yeah. Look, it's fine. I already told you last week that my favorite co-host was on last week. I know. I know. And it wasn't you. I know. I made my own sandwiches today. I'm going to throw my shoe at your forehead. I already made my sandwich. So I don't have to say what I was going to say. Shut up. Bitch, make me a sandwich. <laughs> All right. Like, go ahead and bring our guest. There's too many things going on at one time. All right. Our guest tonight, it's been a while since we had him on, is Chris Dieter from Croc Encounter. How's it going, Chris? Uh, you guys are funny people. <laughs> <laughs> Something. Uh, that's every, every time someone messages me and tells me how much they like listening to this podcast, I still can't help but go, why? why, why? <laughs> oh, it's funny, man. <laughs> so, uh, whoa. What was it? Are you going to tell you talk about your Christmas stuff? I was going to talk about Christmas stuff. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, Chris. May have it. Chris. Sorry, Chris. Wait a second. Katie's got Christmas stuff to talk about. It's important. It's important. Hold on. So, I actually got, I, I get emails and updates from the Houston Zoo, and they have a really, um, neat promotion going on between now and December 15th where you can order animal art like art art like craft things that the animals have painted yeah canvases they also have different ornaments um and some have footprints and like elephants will hold the paintbrushes and all that good stuff obviously you don't have elephants at your facility uh but 
Yes. Have you ever done any like art stuff with any of the animals at Croc Encounter? Um, we have these. It's funny you mention that because like St. Augustine Alligator Farm does these crocodile belly prints. And they get a little croc, and they uh, they dip it in the I guess some kind of paint on toxic, and they put it on these black uh, backgrounds, and they sell really well. And they keep trying to tell us, you know, that, that we need to do some of these, and uh, they'll sell. And I think Jade tried it one time with because uh, they do different species, and it's actually pretty cool because you get to see the different belly patterns, and it's really a pretty neat idea. And uh, but no, we haven't really done much of it. We just we haven't really followed through on any of that. Yet, so. But if- I've seen them. If only you had five million smaller alligator species from a place in Asia that you could use. I happen to know somebody whose kid needs volunteer hours, and I'm sure he would be willing to come and help if you wanted her to put some together for you. That that might be a very, very good plan, actually. That was... That was one of the things that we would do in the education department at my zoo uh, in Louisiana. We would do different of our education ambassadors would do... Uh, is that Christopher? It is. That's Chrissy. <laughs> that's me that said probably both. I'm trying to. What's this called? I forget. The whole Streamyard. Streamyard. <laughs> I got to go give it. A, I apparently have to give it permission again. Uh, anyways, but uh, we used to take those animals and we would do paintings and we would actually do it during our summer classes so that the kids got to watch and then we would do it on like one big piece of butcher paper and then cut it into smaller prints and the kids t- t- could take it home and it was fun for them. But yeah, it's just non toxic washable paint. Yeah, that's that's exactly I think what they do then. So yeah, it's it's really pretty neat. So we'll probably eventually get around to doing it. It's just item number one thousand and one on the list. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> you could also do it with your goats. People love goats. That's actually what the or- some of the ornaments are done by the goats. Oh, people love those goats. God, those <laughs> There was one it was last time we were there, there was one underneath the deck just screaming. Just- Dude, we just we just redid our goat yard and we got this giant new deck out there and you know we got all these crocodiles and everybody comes to see them but i, I tell you man those goats you, you could just do goat encounter and you'd be just fine i'm it would just no i mean they love those things i don't totally i like goats too but i don't totally get the goat love <laughs> I, don't either. I, just, I just laugh because all i can picture when i see the goats at croc encounter is jurassic park when they just strap the goat to the middle of the thing for the t-rex and like well, he's got his own food source here i guess right I also don't get goat yoga because last time I was there and those were little tiny goats. Things stepped in my foot and hurt like a son of a bitch. I'm like, why do people like goats stand on them for yoga? That doesn't seem pleasant. And then pleasant. they do hot goat yoga. So you're sweating and hot. No. And no. Goats only the goats are hot and nasty stinking. White people yeah, are weird. Kid, uh, my kid has mentioned doing some goat yoga with our goats. And I was like, there's only so far I want to go with the goat thing, you know? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> There's a place in Alvin that does goat yoga. I think that's what he saw, and I think that's why he mentioned it to me. Was that there? And I was like, I don't think so. I want to go, but nobody will go with me. I'd pay to not have to do it. I want to go. I just want to go once and say, yeah, I did it. Oh, that's funny. Nathan says he has goats. I love goats. Every t- So uh, we used to go to the, the, the fair or whatever back when we lived in Louisiana, and they always had the livestock thing, and I always – like would walk by the goats and every year I'm like, I want a goat. And then I think, God, these things would suck to own. Like just eat everything and shit everywhere. (laughs) One of my earliest memories as a kid is my grandpa having to give our big Billy goat an enema with a water hose. Fuck that. Like I remember that distinctly as a kid and he died. He didn't make it. 
Your grandpa or the goat? No, both. <laughs> <laughs> My grandpa did that some years later. Um, not from the enema. Uh, so... So, but yeah, do like, you remember I, just because it like, scarred your life that you had to watch a goat with a hose? I up guess time? I don't. It's not a bad memory. It was for the goat. Uh, I think it relieved the goat. I was about to say probably the goat but, feel better. Yeah, and I remember thinking, oh, "This is farming." You know, <laughs> I'll pass. <laughs> uh, this is how food is made. Yeah, we didn't eat the goats. I don't know why we had goats. We didn't eat them. We didn't milk them. Oh, we used them like clear fence thing. lines and stuff. Grass and weeds. Yeah, they were great for clearing fence lines and clearing. That's pastures. where you need to make money, Chris. Just rinse your goats out to clean people's, like to eat people's yards. I know a guy that does that. I saw someone oh, once do that. In a, in a past life, I had a giant herd of Kiko goats. There's like 50 of them. People would always ask me if they could borrow them to clear their land and stuff like that. So there are people that do it. Yeah. You know, it is a real thing. You, so you did you charge them? Because you can go oh, and you can actually move. rent it. Yeah, it was great to have a move off for a while. <laughs> oh, goats how do we get to go he's got such cool animals and we were like hey let's talk about the goats hey, what happens you come out it doesn't make a difference i mean the goats just take over it it's just what it is you know so but it's a good racket because you, you can pay to feed the goats That's, yes that is yes. and people cover themselves i mean they're actually they're probably a net positive as a whole you know yep when well, it's less time you have to spend because you don't have to go feed the goats yep and they literally eat everything uh, I, a guy I went to high school with, he does that. He he moved up to East Texas and lives out in the woods. But he people will call him up. Hey, I just bought this property and it's overrun with grapevines and um, you know all kinds of. And he'll just go out there and put a hot fence around it, hot wire around it. He'll dump like fifty or sixty goats out there, and they'll stay out there through. And he'll put a water trough and stuff. Mm-hmm. They'll stay out there four, five, six days, and See, you go out there and it looks like you went through there with a freaking tractor. Chris, it works. So he's got pygmy goats. And in all these new housing developments, all the yards are only the size of a pool table. So those pygmy goats could take care of that, no problem. Yeah. Well, uh, I, this every summer, I like the last three summers. Um, National Grasslands, Caddo Lake, Caddo National Grasslands up in North Texas, they have certain sections that they close off because they bring goats in to do range management. So they do it because it goes right through the goats. So they're putting it back on the yeah. landscape as fertilizer. Because you ever watch a goat, it takes a step, it drops a shit pellet. Yeah. It takes a step, drops a pellet. That's why, I, that's why I, it is short-lived when I say, ooh, I'd love to have a goat. Yeah. It's like having a goose. Fuck that. Yeah. No, I don't. I'll take I a would goat over never a goose. have a goose. goose. No, I have, I have some traumatic <laughs> experiences yeah. from geese. Every once in a while, some of my staff wants to get like a duck or something. I'm like, I'm not doing ducks, man. I just, that's too much mess. Waterfowl sucks, especially. Well, and they're going to end up in one of the ponds, and one of the yeah, crocs is going to eat it. Real long, you know. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way they survive. No. Well, you'll end up with like what happened when I worked at the zoo and a peacock flew into the lion cage and someone goes, hey, there's a peacock in the lion cage. And I said, okay. And they're like, are you going to go get it? <laughs> no. <laughs> that peacock belongs to that lion now. It was the lions. <laughs> and the lion caught it, right? Oh, yeah. It ate yeah. it. Yeah. 100% ate it. It was yeah. a stupid peacock. Well, what if we almost see get eaten at the zoo? It's a rabbit. A rabbit. Yeah. That, that was freaking was amazing. fabulous. Like a giant hornbill. Chased that rabbit through the yard and almost caught that baby rabbit before it jumped right out of the fence. It was like we National were, Geographic we at were the zoo. Stopping people on the sidewalk because we wanted to see what was going to happen and didn't want them I, to spook the I rabbit. Was root, I was rooting for the bird. <laughs> I wanted him to catch the uh, catch the rabbit. Oh, that was that was funny. Not for the rabbit. <laughs> Speaking of though, you think the rabbit knew it was about to get eaten? Oh yeah, no, oh, it, yeah, it, no. yeah, no, it. So have we had you on, Robert? Have you been on since y'all He's went been to on see for a while? He's been a co-host for. Since you saw Christmas lights, I don't know at the zoo. 
I don't remember. Hey, Robert, what do you think about the Christmas lights at the zoo? They were pretty awesome. Oh, there we go. See. Do you guys do Christmas lights? I know y'all did a Halloween thing this year. Yeah, we did a Halloween thing. That was pretty fun. Um, we used to do a thing called, uh, what the hell did we call it? Thing? Crocking around the Christmas tree. It was, and that was pretty good. And uh, we actually really had a good time with it. But what we decided about, actually it was COVID where we stopped it. It just wasn't something we wanted to do at that time of, of the year. And then uh, we brought all the animals indoors and we just haven't restarted it yet. But it was a, it was a lot of fun, you know. I like the Halloween one. I, I thought that was a good event, and uh, I think we'll probably I'm okay stopping events for the year there. Yeah. So. When uh, a couple of my kids in my classroom, I have, I have fourth grade this year, and a couple of them went to your summer camp that you had this past summer. Yeah. One of them had a shirt on, and I was like, "Where'd you get that shirt? That's super cool!" And they were like, "Oh, I went to summer camp, and da 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 da," and they loved it. They went yeah. on and on and on about how awesome your all summer camp was. Yeah, it's it's a really good camp. Um, it's actually run by teachers, you know. So they 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 build it, Carly oh, teachers, Carly Tomlick, <laughs> and Matthew Freelon do it, and, um, and they've done a great job with it. And it just gets bigger every year, and so it's it's really it's really comprehensive. I mean, if your kid likes the animals and stuff like that, I mean, it's, it's, <coughs> it's probably as good as you're going to get in terms of that experience, you know. So that's it's, awesome. Yeah, it's really cool event. So. So you kind of mentioned earlier, and I want to hit on uh, it, it is coming up on winter, even though we are in Houston. We we do get a winter for like about a month and a half. It's chilly yeah. today. Not every day, though. Not every day is true. It's, <laughs> I it'll, said today. It'll, it'll be 90 on Wednesday. So just- oh, I had my heater on this morning when I left the house. By the time I got back, I had the AC on. And when I got in the truck just now, I was like, God, turn this AC off. Yep. Yeah. People just don't understand what it's like here, man. I'll tell mm-hmm. you. It's true, your heater in the morning and air conditioning in the afternoon. It's bizarre. Well, and then you have days like this weekend. The high on Saturday is 78, but then the high on Sunday is 59. Yeah. So <laughs> it will drastically yeah. change. Well, and then the low Sunday night's 36. Like, what? They say it was in the 30s at night while like one or two of those nights. Yeah. 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 Frost, they said. Yeah. Was oh, it? That, that's what the news said, but yeah, that's the news. Yeah, that's all right. Well, see, that's the problem. So, my tortoises are still back in Louisiana, but that was always the problem with the tortoises. Is like there'd be days where they have to be locked up, and there's like a eight hour span where I can put them in the sun, and then I got to get them right back inside, or else they'll freeze to death. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure my staff secretly hates me because we're always moving our old daubers in and out, <laughs> and um, so because they're just kind of that tweener size where we're we're not building up a permanent barn until next year, and uh, so. It, they actually are pretty tough. They're tougher than people think. So, like, we leave them out on if we're high 40s, low 50s, and they do just fine. They'll go in their, their barn they have now, but anything like any lower than that, we haul them indoors, and they just, you know, so they're always lugging these giant old dogs. Yeah, when I worked at the zoo, we had huge old our, our male was probably over 500 pounds, and then the females with them were probably 300. Um, the good thing was a lot of after a while they, they somewhat got trained of where to go in at night. But our big one, he he did wherever the hell he, he said, wanted. Screw to. you! I do what I want. So, sometimes I think on purpose he would just go to the farthest part of the yard away from the barn and sit his ass down at like four o'clock. I'm like, all right, I'm sitting here. I'm like, dude, I gotta leave. I need you to. Inside. So you go out there with a stick and you're tapping him on the shell and you gotta like basically like a tortoise herder. There's a shepherd at this point just trying to get him to go. Yeah, that's true. I mean, because at that size, they do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. There's no, like, picking them up and moving them. 
Yeah, it's the little stuff. Like, yeah, like I was telling you earlier, we've got most of our guys indoors right now, but the, the really big ones are still outside. And so, like, we'll bring the saltwater crocodiles in sometime within the next week or 10 days. And then the Orinocos will come in also. And yeah, because your Orinocos are huge. They're really big, man. It takes the whole, it takes like seven people to pull. And we actually, we're, it's probably going to be a little easier this year because just like today, it's just, we just started a construction project. We're building a ramp right to where they're at. So instead of pulling them, then we're going to pull them right up the ramp, right in the building. So it should be a lot, a lot of quicker and easier. So, um, so we're always trying to make adjustments. We also put a gate in another place that will make it a lot easier to pull them from there too. So this, you're always tinkering around, you know, you think you got it down, but then they go, oh, well, next year, you know, we'll do this. And plus they terraform their pond a little bit different every year. So what you think worked last year, you know, you got to do it, you know, so. That's right, because you don't you don't do artificial ponds or concrete or any of that. You it's all natural. Yeah, we like to keep it natural because like digging such a big part of their their biology. I just if you don't let them dig, I mean, you're really taking a big part of their life away. And it's, I think it's been a big part of our success in terms of their health and reproduction and all the stuff we've had. They just they live on natural mud. You know, it's really interesting when you get a a crocodile from another zoo, which we do pretty frequently, and uh, they've been on concrete their whole life, and then they get out there on the they fill the grass and they fill the mud. Um, it's crazy to watch them. They sit there and they kind of almost like do this cat paw thing. They just, they don't even, the texture of it's just really weird. And uh, and then eventually they adapt over to it and, you know, they, they do real well. But it's just really fun to watch because, like, they're going, oh, my God, this is a totally different feel. It's, it gives a little bit and everything. You know, so. Well, we talked last time about when you got Blanco from the Houston Zoo and put him in the pond and <laughs> – Oh, just sink yeah, to the bottom. The end of my career. <laughs> <laughs> For anybody oh. listening, he came back up. He's fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's fine. He's really good, actually. But um, he's one of the few we actually do keep on concrete. We because we had kept him on natural like that, but he he's just a little too hard to keep to keep track of. And he and he's he's such an older. He's an older animal. He's a valuable animal. You know, he's a popular animal, and so. For him, we go ahead and we do keep him on. Yeah, he has a natural earth, um, you know, landscape and, and the terrestrial area, but the pond itself is a, is a concrete pool. So, I will say when we came out there and you showed us around your your winter your winter housing for your crocs is impressive compared to most places. Yeah, I would say and I don't think it's like false hubris to say it. I, I think we have by far the the most indoor housing for crocodiles in the country. I think. I mean, there's four buildings out there. You know, it probably totals out of like 10,000 square feet or something like that just for winter housing. So, And then we have all these, those big concrete pools to fill up, and, and they're all heated. The whole thing is heated. And, yeah, they're all climate controlled. And so what's really interesting about it is I, I was telling somebody the other day, I said, you know, you have all this infrastructure for these animals. And I said, we really, a lot of years only need it for about 60 days. <laughs> and so it's a tremendous investment of money for – what amount, you know, like 60 days. If you had like a little meter running, it'd probably be running like hundreds of dollars a day you know, <laughs> at the time just to build it all. But, you know, that's why I made that discussion online this week about those crocodiles. So, I mean, I, I read so much stuff that just was <laughs> totally inaccurate. Well, let's, yeah. let's, let's, get in, let's get into that, and then we'll come back to talk oh. more about Crocodile Encounter a little bit. And, we'll, and we did not have him on because of this. No, no, no. This, this was is, already scheduled. Oh, yeah, happened. yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. This was, he said. was scheduled beforehand. It was just funny how the universe said, here you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I read stuff. I read today. I would read some more of it. And I was just like, 
I mean, the, the, the amount of people that literally do not know what they're talking about is astounding. Oh, yeah, the reptile hobby. <laughs> oh, God, it was just, you know, and just from the basic. I mean, I read, you know, that they're going to average 16 feet or whatever like that. And, and you know, just – and just and now there's a lot of people that knew what they were talking about too. I mean, it wasn't that they were – because as a general, I, I think a lot of people were spot on about it. But, you know, the, the day they care of them, I just – I just, I mean, the stuff they were saying about him is, is, oh. is totally, for the most part, wrong. I'm not totally sure I read anything accurate, really. So let me get, <laughs> let me get everybody listen. This, this is this is kind of the background. Um, uh, over the weekend, there was a uh, infamous reptile show, uh, the Hamburg Show in Pennsylvania, where the the running joke is that the the Hamburg starter kit is a, a retic, a monocle cobra, and a crocodile or an alligator. Um, cause you can pretty much get all of that there. No problem. And, uh, and then some posts got flying around about how the general public shouldn't be allowed to go in and buy that stuff. Um, and, and I guess around by some larger names in the hobby, but anyways, and then everybody has to jump in and I don't, I definitely don't claim to know as much about keeping crocodilians as you, Chris, but I have at least like, I've at least worked with them and kept them for, and I worked at a zoo for a while. And, like I have some experience, but some of these people, the most they've ever kept is a leopard gecko and they want to go ahead and tell you what's going to happen if they keep a Nile crocodile. And I'm like, oh, crazy. You know, I, I should have taken some screenshots of some of it. Cause some of it was just, oh, I, was just I was just laughing. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> it's just, I, so I'll, let's get into the question and then we'll get into that because the question leads into that. And then we can talk about our, our opinions on it. But uh, the question was, do you think there should be a permit system for large reptiles? And I, and I kind of expanded it to large constrictors, monitors, and obviously crocodilians. And then I asked, if so, how do you think it should work? And, and we've talked about this before, kind of with Venomous. We've talked about a permit system with Venomous. And there's some states, I think Florida kind of does a pretty good job with their permit system for Venomous. It seems a little weird sometimes. But let's go through some of these answers, and then we can uh, and then we can go go with it. Uh, the first one I want to go with is our, our friend Lewis over at Lil Shovel Horse. His answer is simply, no. That's, that's, <laughs> that's all Lewis said was no. Nothing, no follow-up. I liked it. Um, yeah, it's Texas. <laughs> goddammit. Uh, uh, Mark Anderson said, "As an owner of some, yes, and it should be done by people that already own them that get voted in by the reptile keepers." I'll, I'll, I'll run through these, and then we will. Uh, I don't want to say punch holes in people's opinion. We, we'll we'll talk about them. We'll discuss. We'll discuss amongst ourselves. Uh, our buddy Drew who has a zoo. He does not have crocodilians in it, but he does have a zoo. says, yes, especially for crocodilians, it should require a period of apprenticeship under a permit holder and or written referral from them. Provide proof of an enclosure that meets zoo industry standards in terms of space and construction and prove that you have a vet lined up. Up-to-date records of the animals in your collection, including deaths, births, intakes, and depositions. I, I also feel that, that Drew thinks of it from a zoo point of view, though, because that is very much a zoo response. Yeah. Well, so. and we'll, and we'll, we'll get Chris's opinion because he's got, yeah. a, he's got, he's, he knows a little bit about this. Just a little. Uh, <laughs> our buddy Darren, who's in the chat, says, I'd be fine with a permit system if it was ran under U.S. ARC. And each state had a division. When it comes to a crocodilian and venomous, an apprenticeship should be in place in all states and should be able to apply with this permit. Uh, the keeping crocodilians in northern states, adequate enclosures with proper size and heating would have to be a requirement to receive approval, as well as proper caging for venomous. Uh, with lockouts. I definitely want to talk about the North having crocodilians in a little bit. Uh, our friend Danielle says, theoretically, yes. Logically, yes. There are definitely animals that should ideally be left only in the hands of people actually able to handle them instead of in the hands of an, an old idiot. 
Uh, practically, though, no, it is a slippery slope, and I think we all know how a little bit of power will go in the hands of lawmakers who know diddly squat about exotic pets. That's what scares me. That is very true. Uh, and then Brad John said, Brad John, okay, anyways, it's just a Jesus Christ, I can't, okay, I'm not reading all that. Brad, I appreciate it. I'll read it real quick and then I'll give you the. I'll need the cliff notes on that one. That is a whole novel there. Uh, and then my, my dad, who was in the, I think was in the chat earlier. Yeah. Um, obviously, he's not a reptile person, but he says, cautions long and very opinionated. Uh, you have been warned. And he goes into it. He says, as an avid gun owner, gun, gun, owner, gun owner, I urge you to study how the anti gun lobby is trying to negatively affect gun ownership. For law-abiding citizens, I promise you that the government will do the same to your hobby, and without the constitutional amendment to defend you, it'll be even easier. The ignorance flaunted by the people in charge making the law is absolutely amazing. The more you allow the government into your hobby, the closer your Burmese python is to becoming venomous. In the same way, the more traction for the anti-gun lobby gets the closer to his AR-15 becoming a fully automatic weapon. Uh, I'll tell you to fully support U.S. ARC and to stress to them that any government regulations of your hobby is totally unacceptable. I get that. I, uh, I totally get that one. Um, so, did you read it, Katie? I did. Um, he actually brings up some really great points. He suggests his opinion that um, it should be like an online course. It's created by a committee entirely compiled of hobbyists. So, you're taking like two hours. And then, depending on what you're working with specifically, you can take shorter courses. There's a quiz. You get a certificate. And then you present the So, his goal is to weak out or weed out impulse buys. The impulse buys, yes. He said, or lazy individuals that don't really appreciate or care for the animal properly. Yeah, because if they're too lazy to do that, then they, they're never going to take care of it. Right. And that's what he brings up on his post. Um, he does feel that you should be able to own any non-venomous species that you want with possibly a size limit. Um, Who are we talking about? Uh, it's Brad, Brad John. John. He's had a whole um, novel here. You uh, know, he he himself thinks he's a very responsible owner and very knowledgeable, but there's always going to be a few that give our hobby the bad reputation. Oh, absolutely. So, so I want to give my two cents, and then I'm going to let Chris tell me how I'm wrong. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I kind of agree with some of all this, but the problem is, and, and, my, and my dad's kind of hitting at we can pass all the laws and regulations we want, but those are not the people that tend to cause our problems in the like the law about existence. So even if we pass a law that says, "Hey, you can't own this," all right. Well, when something happens that is illegal, I'm gonna bet that's not somebody who normally follows the law, anyways. Like when they get caught, that's not that's not who we're worried about. Um, I definitely worry about uh, the government getting power and then just going, you know what? Uh, let's just go ahead and say that's all illegal. And they definitely might, um, especially if there's any money involved. The if problem, there's a permit fee involved. It, oh yeah, you know it's just going to go. Well, that's Louisiana. Louisiana loves putting permits out there that you have to. It's, but uh, the problem I think really comes down to whoever is producing the animals. That's who really has to police it. Is it's is like whoever's retics and yeah, whoever's producing yeah. and selling them. Yes. Um, but the problem in our hobby, as long as there's money to be made. They will be made, and they will be sold to whoever has the money. Um, I, as someone who has has cared for crocodiles, yes, the, uh, a Nile crocodile is not is not a pet everyone needs. It is not even look. I think alligators make awesome pets if you have the space. Um, we just can't own them here for stupid reasons. But yeah, now crocodile need one for your classroom. 
I, I need one for me. So I can what? Keep it in a twenty long. <laughs> just keep. If you, they won't get, no, 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 They don't no. get any bigger you than get, what you keep them in, you right? Get specialized tubs and equipment. You put it in your classroom. There's grants for all. And then when it gets too big, you're calling Chris. Uh, I got this gator. I don't know. What Unless to do with. you just swap it out. <laughs> Unless someone wanted to donate a Chinese alligator, and I could definitely set up something for a Chinese alligator. Oh my god! I would. I'm. I'm not. Lying. I would gladly give up every animal. My, <laughs> what? what? I said that list is pretty long. Yes, uh, <laughs> that, that's the that's the one animal that if someone's like here, you can have this, but you have to get rid of every other reptile. They're gone tomorrow. Are you yeah. serious? In an instant, he's told me that numerous times. I didn't realize it was that intense in, for you. In an instance, if someone said here's, there would be regret afterwards. Yeah, no, he wouldn't regret it. It's worth it. That yeah. Oh, fucking love Chinese alligators. I yeah. loved the one we had. At I would our just, zoo. I'd be like, hey James, what are you doing? Looking at my Chinese yep. alligator. Hey James, you want to go to dinner? Can I bring my alligator? <laughs> it's an emotional sport alligator, like that guy in Philly. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But uh, but I just <sighs> crocodiles are a slippery slope when it comes to being uh, people owning them. It's not it's not something you can't keep an owl in your house. I mean, you can, I guess. You can you try not to keep an owl in your house, but you can't keep it. Like that's going to end up being housed outside, and there, and there's a whole separate set of issues when you house a crocodile outside because not only you can't just throw it outside inside of a normal fence and go it'll be fine like it'll be fine out of that fence and eating somebody's dog so like definitely setup is an issue uh regular care because as much as you're like yeah i'm not gonna go in there and like play with it you still gotta sometimes do hands-on stuff move around and when winter comes that's why i'm always amazed at how many crocodilians are owned up north yeah i I think that's a I've had more than one conversation through the years with that. And it's, I, you know, and we've actually received, and I know a friend of mine receives quite a few um, animals from up north, and they are almost universally undersized. Um, you know, just, in, I don't want to say necessarily in bad shape, but they are always far smaller than they would be, you know, where they're at down here because. I don't care what you're doing in the north, or you know, and I, like I said, I'm from there. I'm from Pittsburgh, but um, you can't get the level of heat that that animal is going to need. You know, I mean, it's it's just really challenging to do unless you're really heating the whole building constantly, which is, you know, really expensive when you're you're heating a big building. And if you're not heating it like that, you're going to get an animal that eventually is going to kind of reach a, a threshold to where it's just not getting enough heat to grow anymore. Yeah, and and I I give you a perfect example. I mean, I I could I could give you several examples, but um, we got a Nile crocodile from a guy that was in Massachusetts. I believe it was like seven years old. It was three foot long, <laughs> you know. And then so he, it was so funny. He, and he's a he's a good guy, and he he does he keeps what you would consider good care of his animals. It's just it's just impossible, you know, to adequately do this. And he. So he, he was so wanted to get the move it. And I'm up there with my parents on um, Christmas and he puts a post up on Facebook. He said, Hey, I got this now crocodile. It's seven years old. It's how we're so big. I need to have a place. I would like to send it someplace else other than Massachusetts. So I happened to catch it and I see it and I send him a message. And um, I said, Hey, I'm in Pittsburgh. Um, I'm dry. I had driven up that time. Usually we fly, but for whatever reason, you know, my kid wanted to take cross country trips and we drove and, I said, if you get it to me, I said, I'll take you back to Texas with me. And um, that dude was at my parents' house in Pittsburgh within 12 hours. 
Wow. <laughs> he buzzed on Christmas Day, man. He was there the next day. I couldn't believe it. It was like 9 o'clock in the morning, and that guy's in the driveway. Jeez. I, like, yeah, it was, and I saw it like Christmas morning. You know, the I mean, he, he just left. He wanted that thing out of there so bad. He would just he drove from Massachusetts to Pittsburgh like on Christmas Day. <laughs> well, and, like, and like you said, they're stunning. For anybody, so for the general public, most people have watched uh, Snake Discovery, Ed and Emily have an alligator. If you ever watch their stuff on YouTube, that alligator, they did not, they got it as a rescue. Don't, no one judge them from what it looks like now, but when you see it, it is a stunted alligator. That thing, I forget how old it is, but it is stunted. It, it, it is way smaller than it should be. And so when I saw that guy that was at the Phillies game that tried to take his emotional support alligator into the Phillies game and they showed pictures of it, it's a stunted alligator. Like that thing has got the, the, the shortened face that's rounded off that it's not gro- like you can say he takes so much great care of it, but, that thing's probably supposed to be eight foot long. Well, and let, it's, me you, let me tell you part B to this, though, because there is a second part to it. And this is the part that people don't always get. If you catch him in this, and I'm going to, and I'm going to use this as a parameter because we found this to be true with multiple animals. If you catch him within the first 10 years, that animal will explode. That animal, that three foot seven year old came down here within two years. It was a nine and a half foot female. Wow. It it had grown over three foot a year for two consecutive years. It's seven years of age. It just exploded. Wow. Wow. It's like its body just was like finally it could like let go with all its hormones and everything that it took to actually grow. And it got enough food and was able to process. And uh, it's still out here today. I mean, it's huge. I mean, it's probably, that was like that. She's probably 10 and a half feet right now, you know, so. They don't, but you have to get them. When I say within ten years, because that's been our experience, we just got two female saltwater crocodiles that arrived from a northern zoo. This is an AZA zoo, and they're seven years old. They're two feet long. What the hell? No. Yeah, I'm not even going to tell you which zoo they came from because it's a fairly common thing. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the AZA zoos in the north don't often do any better than the private keepers in the north. You know, as a, as a general rule. So we have these two. And they're fired up. I mean, they they they'll attack the. I mean, they'll attack the cage front, and everything else. And so we are. Those are so cranky. But it's going to be an interesting thing to watch these salties grow because they're seven. They're like I said, roughly two two and a half feet. I fully expect them to be seven or eight foot animals twenty four months from now. You know, just it'll be really interesting to see because they, this is probably the smallest pair we've got that's <clears throat> that old. When I told my staff how old they are, they literally thought I was just lying to them. They, were, I mean, they look like like yearlings. I mean, they look like they're a year old or something. Were they just keeping them like in an education department in a small pool? No, those people usually, that's usually your culprit. But um, in this case, no. They were just, I don't, I don't, they just were, I think, under temperatured and underfed because of that. You know, the animal, they probably would tell you, if I would go back and interview them, they would probably say, oh, they didn't want to eat. And they're probably not wanting to eat because the temperatures were just so low they couldn't process food quick yeah. enough. And they probably, you know, it, and it kind of works like that. And um, and we had, just to continue on the thread, we had a, another saltwater crocodile that came in. This was a male, and he was probably, I want to say, three or four feet again, about a seven or eight-year-old animal. And he's, he's almost 12 feet now. So it just takes, you get them in the Texas heat with enough food and, and you can get them to bounce back. But it seems like after that 10th year, um, if you don't catch them to where they can kind of catch up, they do have a harder time, you know, making the gains that they would while they were still. It seems like, because, you know, their biology is probably as such that they basically go into a base survival mode when they're 
when they're not getting enough heat or enough food just so they can eat through, you know, it's probably what enabled them to go through the time with the dinosaurs and everything. You know, they can eat through and eat through and eat through. And then when they finally get the resources they need, it's just like, boom, an explosion. And they go ahead and, and catch up to where they need to be. And I think that's what you're seeing with some of those animals that are like that is you're, you're seeing that they've just been kind of eking through, eking through, eking through. And then they finally get all the resources they need and the heat and the food. And it's just, and they just explode. You know? so, well, it's just, there's and I was trying to figure out what that noise was. Sorry. There's it's seven forty five. I gotta go get a okay. girl. There's no <laughs> amount of uh, like UV lights inside of a building that matches doing the sun. Like you can't a, a spotlight, a spot heater for an animal is not the same as them basking out in full sunlight. Uh, no matter how much, you, even if you measure the UV of that bulb under that spotlight, especially for something like. A crocodile, which needs, it's covering an entire body. It's different than, say, something like the skinks that are behind me that can fit directly underneath that bulb, and it's wonderful. Right. Um, it's just- we found, as a general rule, and, uh, and this will put me at odds probably with some, but I remember some of us, uh, crocodile, we do not use UV at all. And um, and we've never used UV on our smaller crocodiles. Most crocodiles, honestly, on alligator crocodile farms are raised in the dark to reduce stress. It's the heat, man. It, it's heat is the, is the primary thing. They just they need the heat, and as Jumps. the animal gets, as the animal gets bigger, it just you need a lot more bulbs, you know. And it just I mean I, I think you know, if you're going to keep an adult, I don't you know I can't even fathom but keep an adult not crocodile on a non city zoo type situation. I mean you're going to need I can't even tell you how many bulbs you would actually need. just not just to light him up, but just to actually so he can actually gain enough heat to where he's actually an actual now crocodile. Yeah. You know, so well, that's a like a tube all day, you know. Well, that's the same problem with people that, that get like monitor lizards. There's a lot of monitor lizards. People just don't understand the amount of heat they need to lay under. Like yeah. even just a savanna monitor, like it needs a lot of heat to lay under your 150 watt heat emitter isn't doing it. It's just, it's, it's great. And that one spot may be 130, 140 degrees, but it's not the same as laying out there and heating its entire body up. I mean, they're ectothermic oh, animals. Oh laying underneath the light all day long probably your tent i mean there's a reason he's laying there he's not getting warm enough he should warm up heat off and go about and do his business you know he shouldn't be laying there 15 hours a day our crocodiles will lay there 15 hours a day in the winter time because you know you just not get as much heat to to get operational but in the summertime they'll heat up in five minutes and they're gone you won't even see them bass again you know for the rest of the day you know they're off doing crocodile things so so nathan asked in the chat he says does the the rapid growth cause joint issues no no. Um, and then Darren asked, well, I think it's a slower growth. You're going to have, if you're going to have bone and, and issues like that, it's going to be probably because the animal is not getting enough nutrition, you know, from the get go. And then that's where your problem is going to be. Like there's all these people, you know, they always talk about power feeding and stuff like that, but you know, the animal's goal is to get as big as possible, as quick as possible in the wild. And if it's getting the, the right resources, that's exactly what it's going to do. You know, so I think when you're seeing a problem in a captive animal, it's because he's probably stuck in an enclosure that's too small. He's not able to move around. He's not able to have the muscle tone that he needs, you know, the body structure that's going to develop. Just like in a human being. I mean, if you're stuck in a chair all the time, you're you're going to become physically unhealthy. Yeah. You know, their bone structure is like I talked about the digging in, in the natural soils and, and such like that. Those are a very important part of the process to keep your animal healthy. And. And I use an example. We can talk about Blanco as an example. Um, the curators up there, they love Blanco's muscle tone now because they thought he was flabby when he was in the zoo. And, 
You know, there's and yeah. this just gets overlooked with crocodilian care all the time because most people, and this goes back to that discussion that we were kind of having, you know, everybody was having this week. Keeping the animal alive is one thing. Keeping the animal to where it can thrive is is a totally different scenario. And there and it's like when you come to say if you're at our place, man, our animals can dig, they can swim, they climb hills. I mean, they nest on top of this hill. It's like 20 feet high. It's pretty crazy. You know, they're doing all these things. So the muscle tone on the animal is just significantly different than what you would have. But the vast majority of crocodile keepers, and, and I myself was like this when I was like 23, you know, they get a tub, they put a ledge around it. The crocodile climbs up on the ledge, he sits there, you know, he gets his light and he flops down in the water. And, and that's pretty much how that animal exists, you know, and that, and, and that's kind of just been the base husbandry for a lot of people for a while. Then the animal gets to be about three or four feet long and they go, this dude's mean as hell. I need to get this out of my house. <laughs> you know? And then, then down the road, he, and then down the road he goes. And so that's kind of, that's kind of been crocodilian care for the, I would say 99% of the population actually gets involved with them for the majority of it. And, I, and there are a segment of them, you know, they'll put a little pond in the backyard and they'll give them some more stuff like that. And that's actually pretty decent, you know, if you can do that. I mean, obviously, if you can give them some more land area in the backyard, that's great. But um, but that's, for the most part, how I think the majority of people keep them. And so you end up with some issues with that. You know. So with that said, where do you sit with, the general public being able to get the, be able to get stuff like this. Uh, I think honestly, you know, I kind of like I said, I've evolved in my thinking on this as the years have gone by. Because when I was young, when I was twenty three, I was just like, you're twenty, you know, like, oh man, I should be in it. And this is, I think, part of the problem. I think with the, I don't if it's a problem. I don't even know if it's a problem. It might be the word, the wrong word to use, but you have people of different ages levels of experience and stuff like that when you're 20 you don't want anybody telling you you, don't, you can't have anything yeah you know when i was 23 if somebody told me i couldn't have something i'd be like well why can't i have it you have it you know or something like that but as the years have gone by and i'm sitting here in middle age you realize all that it takes to to really maintain these animals long term and and to be successful with them and so my mindset has changed a little bit to where I think the best system and in Texas, you know, you already have to have a permit to have an alligator. You know, you got to go through all these steps to have an alligator. I, I love the Valkyrie system. I think the Valkyrie system is fair. I agree. I think the Valkyrie system, if you want one, you can have one, you know, you just <clears> have it, but you got to put the animal first and all these people sit there and say they want to put the animal first. Well then great. If you want to put the animal first, Put the time into learning what you need to learn. Go look at an actual system that keeps an adult animal, not a hatchling. Anybody can look at a tub for a hatchling. That's that's easy. Go look at the adults. Go look at what they do. Like when we pull ours in the winter, go look at what you're actually going to have to do to maintain this animal when it's a full-grown adult. And then you go ahead and you, if you do that, you get your permit, you get your crocodile, and then you're on your way. You so I, mean? I think someone, I forget, or someone had suggested that the falconry system, and that made me think, all right, so if we do the falconry system, we go full falconry system. You have to catch your first one. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> so you you want you want a saltwater crocodile? Go to Indonesia. You have to catch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, Chris could have a whole new business model down there. That's true. Come yeah. catch it from. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing like how many species you can actually get. I mean, it, it's really kind of mind blowing. You 
Now, they're not super common, a lot of them, or anything like that. But if you're patient, you know, you can kind of work your way through a, a lot of things. You know, and, like, we have 100 and whatever now crocodiles out here, and we never sell them. But what, the, and, and this is the other part that I was talking about with now crocodiles. I didn't see it in any discussion. But if you see them in Pennsylvania, there is no now crocodile breeder in Pennsylvania. So that animal just on its face is illegal. It crossed the state line without a CBW. So unless they donated it over, but if they got it donated over, I don't know why they're selling it. Yeah. Uh, because, I, you know, that, that would make less sense. And then, so there's bait, you know that. So what, so what people do here sometimes, I've had the game wardens come out and, and uh, fish and wildlife and they've asked and said, Hey, have you released any now crocodiles this year? And I said, no, we never release any now crocodiles because people say, Oh, we got them from, from Texas. <laughs> oh, we're the only now crocodile breeder in Texas. <laughs> you know, any. Yeah, you know, it's you know that it's they're just making story up so they can go ahead and you know basically what do you say, launder the animal through, you know, essentially. Yeah. And there's a lot of that that happens and um you know, so that's just that's that's a part that I don't think but they're not really renewing C V Ws right now anyway, so I mean I'm not even sure that's gonna be a valid concern for a whole lot longer. I just my problem with uh, my problem with crocodilian ownership is that to me, you know, we talk about venomous snakes. Like, what is people always ask, what's the best beginner venomous snake? Which is a weird question to ask. Like, if you're having to ask which one's the best beginner snake, you may not need a venomous snake. But, you know, a lot of people will agree, like, copperheads. Copperheads are a pretty good venomous snake to start with. They're fairly, I mean, they're venomous, rock but they're not too, what? Rock rattlesnake, you know, those little dudes. Well, just like, you, you know, you can get the anti venom, it's local, and they're fairly calm. And so yeah. when it comes to crocodilians, I'm always like, People want Niles. They want this and that. And I'm like, the problem is alligators. Alligators are the easiest. We can't, you can't own that legally without the permit here. But if there was going to be like, which crocodilian could you own? An American, they're puppy dogs. Yeah, they're, it, the, they're the best too. Like my friends overseas, they all want American alligators. You know what I mean? You know, it's, it's all, we were having this discussion with the staff the other day. And, um, you know, people always want what they don't have. Like people overseas love rattlesnakes. Yeah. You know, because, you know, here we love Cobras, but everybody overseas loves American alligators because American alligators, it's just a cool animal. And uh, and sometimes people, I think, just take them totally for granted and they want these other animals that are, you know, more temperature sensitive, harder to deal with, you know, but American alligators get so calm and, I mean, they're just so, they're just so easy in a lot of ways. That, uh, I mean, they're a very big animal. I mean, nobody should ever take it for granted. I mean, we got truly massive alligators, but... Um, but we don't ever have to bring them inside because, you know, they're fine out there, you know? Yep. And, uh, but yeah, so that's definitely, uh, something that like the Chinese alligator, honestly, would be the perfect oh. one for everybody. It's small. It has all the benefits of the American alligator without the Titanic size, you know? And, uh, that's, that's a great animal right there. So. Yes, I know. Quit reminding me that you have so many. Of them. <laughs> it's just, so, so I've cared for several different species and I will say that, to me, the American alligator and the Chinese alligator—they're more personable. If you want, like, a, if somebody wants a pet, they can truly have as a pet. That is a crocodile. Now, it's not like you should. I don't care what anybody says. Don't go cuddle with your alligator or crocodile. People do it all the time, and that's fine. But that's—you're—it's like playing with a loaded gun. It just takes them having one bad day to you have for you having no arm. Like it's—it's mm -hmm. it's a bad idea. But then I've also worked with Nile crocs. That is one of the few crocs that tried to eat me. Uh, just came after me, and and she wanted to kill me. Uh, I've worked with American crocs. He was not the friendliest. I've worked with dwarf crocs, and they. Uh, what about a Siamese? Everyone I've ever. I've never worked with Siamese, but dwarf crocs Me. make up for their being small by being assholes. <laughs> uh, 
and then I've worked with Cayman and Cayman, like everybody goes, well, Cayman's great. They stay small, but they're shitty. Like they're not, they're not a good pet. No, not, they really are. I mean, not honestly, none of them are a good pet. I mean, I, I'm a biggest crocodile fan out there, and I just I don't really ever view them. Even when I started, I didn't really view them as pets. They're just they're freaking fascinating animals, you know. And and we just just to be around them day to day, just it's just so amazing. But um, they just I I sometimes I will, I will look at some of those boards, and you know, I'm not I, I'm not gonna pretend my opinion is the only one. But I just don't understand these people laying on their couch with their alligator. I mean, it's just. <laughs> I don't know. It just seems weird to me. <laughs> well, and they're like, it's it's the same as we've talked about on the show before. We really worry, you know, for that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, we really worry about like retics, right? We see so many retic retics sold in the hobby. Where are all the fourteen foot retics? Like, you don't see that many adult retics, and it's the same thing for all. Every time I see crocodilians sold, I'm like, where are all these twelve foot now crocodiles? Right? Like where? Where where a ten foot knock like where are they at? Because they're being sold, and if they're being sold, taken care of properly, they should be full grown, and you don't see them. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly. You know, you could say that about other animals too. We um we were talking about this with the staff the other day. We have this blue tail monitor project here, and yeah, uh, and we had, and our male was big. I mean, he he's got to be a, he's a big hog, and he's just he's just a big male. And, Somebody said, what's the biggest blue tail male you ever saw? And I said, that's him. I mean, because, you know, you just, I don't know where they go, but they just don't ever really seem to keep them long enough to become adults, you know? So I, I w- That is one of the animals that uh, was given to me once that was out of my knowledge, and I was too young and stupid to say, no, I can't do that. And I did keep care of it for a while, and unfortunately didn't make it. But it uh, that was one of those animals that I was not prepared for an adult blue tail that was most definitely wild caught. Like, it was not. How big was it? Uh, three and a half foot, probably nose tail. I mean, they got a long tail. Yeah, it's oh, all- like four plus, probably four and a half. That's plus, big. Right? Yeah, he's a pretty big guy. He's way bigger than the female, and the female's probably she's pretty big. I mean, for a blue tail, but he's a beast, man. I'm telling you, but um, yeah, but that's just kind of that example. You know, there's just some animals you just I think because they're their personalities and they just or they hide a lot or like in the case of blue tail, they can be flighty and they'll. Oh yes. Bike. People just kind of say, "Okay, I don't want this thing when it, you know, it's already big enough for me. I'm gonna get out of here, you know." So, well, it's just where they neglect it, you know. Well, we see, I see so many sulcata babies sold at shows. Oh yeah. I don't see a lot of hundred pound sulcatas. Don't get me wrong. There's a handful out there, and people get, and, and there's rescues that are full. There's definitely rescues that are full of sulcatas, but the number of sulcatas you see as an adult, I'm willing to bet. And look, this is purely a guess, but I'm willing to bet the number of full grown sulcatas you see as an adult are probably at maybe 20% of the sulcatas produced. Oh, yeah, I would say that's probably right. We have a big herd of them here, and every one of them is a rescue, I think, except for one that I had like 35 years or something like that. But, you know, what's really interesting is the shell disparity that you get when they come in just from the variety of different care they've all had. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, it's something else. Somebody should write a book about it just because it's just so... I've got... Two adult males and then two younger ones that are both in ones at my old house in Louisiana that my in-laws are now taking care of because I can't have them here because I have no space here. And my two younger ones are at a friend's house in Louisiana that she's taking care of. And uh, one of them came to me. His name is Notch because he has that, you know, that when they grow weird, they have that big notch in their side because they're not taken care of and they look bad. And um, But I went and saw him about two weeks ago. We were in, in town. And I hadn't seen him in probably a year. 
And he's so much bigger now. And I'm like, when was the last time you were there? After the funeral? Yeah, probably. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so it's been about a year. Yeah. Um, but then I have that. And then I have another big one that someone had been taking care of nicely. And they gave it to me as a full grown adult. And it's got this nice, pretty shell. And, um, but again, that's just one of those things that's, they're not a great pet for the general public. Like it, mine are in a 40 by 50 foot pen. And it's enough to keep the grass short and they don't eat it all the way down to the mud. But how many folks have that much of yard just to give to, to properly give to a tortoise that weighs a hundred pounds? Oh yeah. It's just, all those giant reptiles are a challenge. I think yeah, they're cool though. They're cool. <laughs> I, I miss mine. That's the one thing I'm, it kills I'm me. A is giant them. Reptile guy, when I go to the shows, I mean, I like all reptiles. I like, you know, and I walk through and I go, oh, that'd be a cool project or that'd be a cool project. But I'm like, yeah, it ain't big enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I miss every day working with Aldabras. The, those were just yeah, a personality. Mm-hmm. They really are. So well, We have this pair of Komodo dragons, and I'll tell you what, I've totally fallen. Those things are just, they blow me away. So what I just heard is we have to take a trip to... Did you, what did you just say? Yeah, we have to go to Crocodile Encounter, and he's going to show us Komodo. Komodo now? Komodo we dragons. Have, okay, yep. We have two Komodo dragons. Oh, a lot's changed since we were there. Hey, what are we doing Saturday? I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, That's I always tell my kids, I say, you know, because um, it's just kind of kind of a family joke, and it's like, you know, they just, they'll sit there, and I'll, say, I'll, I'll sit there at dinner, and I'll just say, I have a Komodo dragon. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be me if I ever had a Chinese alligator. Yeah. Like, I, I'd have to go check on it 15 times a day just to make sure that I didn't imagine that I had a Chinese alligator. <laughs> Uh, and it would get annoying because I'd become that person that just posts like 15 pictures a day of You'd me like and my a vegan. Like as soon as you meet somebody, I have to tell them about it. Like, Hi, I'm James. I have a Chinese alligator. Yeah. <laughs> I'm better than you. A I have a, Ch- or a pilot. You're going to tell them in like the first three minutes of meeting him. I just first person. Comes to you, I've got an iguana. That's awesome. I have a Chinese alligator. Let me tell you why it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> just, oh, it's just so funny. You just get it. There's just, uh, just a thing. You know, if you're a reptile guy, you just, that's just kind of a, it's kind of like game over, you know, you reach the video game top and it just says you have won. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, honestly, a, a, in your collection, there's not much more you could have that. Like, there's no one that can go come to your collection, tell you what they have and you go, oh my God, that's amazing. Cause like, if they're going to tell you, and yeah. I feel like your answer would be like, that's cool. Yeah. It's kind of like got a little bit of a downside though, because like you kind of become like, and, it, and, it, and I really sincerely mean this. That's how, I view this as a downside because I, I love like simple stuff like Okiti corn steaks. I freaking think they're fantastic. I just, I love them, you know, albino snapping turtles. I just think they're fantastic animals, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, but my friend Rob, it, Rob Faust, I don't know. I think he yeah. might've been on no, the he, he breeds, um, various monitors. So he's just telling me some stuff this one day and he says, Chris, I got to tell you something. I said, what, Rob? He says, he says, I'm telling you all this because I, I want you to be impressed. And I go, well, I am impressed. And he, and he goes, no. He says, I've been thinking about it. He's like, I keep telling you I got all this stuff. And he says, you just don't seem impressed. He says, and I finally realized it's because you have all these freaking dinosaurs living in your yard. There's nothing I can tell you. It's good <laughs> yeah, you just imagine someone going, yeah, I've got this new breeding project of Ackies. And then Chris is like, I've got Komodo dragons. Yeah. Like it's, it's just there's nothing anybody's gonna say. Like, yeah, I've got this amazing breeding project of indigos, and indigos are awesome. Because that's cool. I've got a pair of komodo dragons. Like it's just that they overtops everybody. There's nothing anybody's gonna say. It's kind of strange, you know, whenever it gets to that level. But um, but you also, and I, I tell this like my staff. I say, you ever just walk around this place because you know we're 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 a small. Well, I say small. We're 26 acres, but you know, for we're not a city zoo. Yeah. Right. And. 
if you walk out here and we have three breeding pairs of Tomistamil, we got, there's five Salties, there's a hundred now crocodiles, there's a pair of Komodos, there's, you know, we got a big group of Spangler eye turtles, we got, you know, a big group of Nile soft shells, we just got, there's just so much stuff. We got Cubans, which are awesome. We have Cubans, I mean, there's stuff I'm going to forget to tell you just because I don't even think about, like the Chinese alligator group, I mean, I don't even think about them, but, you know, you just, so we have all these things that you just kind of like. I don't know, man. You just get used to it, you know, and it, it, it's kind of, it's a good problem I mean, if you want to even consider it a problem, but, you know, it does kind of numb you. <laughs> I can see that. I, yeah. I can definitely see you going, going to other zoos just, and just realizing that that's great, but your collection yeah, at home. Well, you know, if they have goats, it's great. You know, <laughs> it doesn't make a difference. I mean, you know. It's just it's got it's got to be hard to go to just a regular zoo and, and look at it and go that that's a cool collection and then come home and go I got komodos and Chinese alligators and I've got Niles and I've got salt well, like and that zoo spent millions and millions to look that way and you're like it's fine it's great yeah it's kind of a weird thing you know it kind of is I mean it's, it's on but I will tell you there's komodo dragons though that's a religious experience right there and I I mean it is. It's freaking surreal, man. I mean, I've had a lot of animals, but you know, I would view, I've always felt like the Komodo is probably, it's probably the biggest reptile that you can actually interact with, like, like on its terms. Like, well, I go with the Nile crocodile, I go with Nile crocodiles and such like that, but he's not going to walk up on my lap, yeah, you know, no, no. You know, or anything like that. Where the Komodo is just, man, I tell you, it's, it's a whole different deal. I mean, I, it's, and we, we put off getting them for a while, and we had an opportunity to have them. And we kind of kind of let it lay a little bit, and then we finally decided to do it. And, man, I should have done it a long time ago because that is a – that's a cool animal. How big are they right now? We got – we have the, we have two of them. The male is Batara, and the female is Bella. And we got him when he was probably yay big. And he's, I would say, five and a half feet right now. He's pretty solid. And she is – She's a little bit smaller than him. Um, we haven't had her quite as long, but she's catching up. She's a hog. But uh, both of them, you can scratch their backs, man. I mean, they're just, they're just, and they're so intelligent. I mean, you know, they. We I've kept a lot of monitor species, and uh, and the crocodiles are the most intelligent reptiles like that. But the komodo is just, you know, he's an alpha animal. Well He's a dominant animal, and he lives that way. I mean, it's just they're just a dominant animal. It's know? an evolutionary thing. They none they have never evolved to be afraid of anything other than maybe a larger komodo, yes, right? Exactly. So when you're when you're petting it, it does not see you as a threat because it, it it's not ingrained in its brain over millions yeah. of years of evolution to go other things walking around can eat us. Dude, it's just like I mean, some people call them a land crocodile, but I mean they're just. It's just such an alpha animal. I mean, it, it walks like an alpha. It exists like, I mean, it just it just lives like that. It's just such a cool creature. Well, that's like folks that handle king cobras. A lot of people that handle king cobras say that the king cobra, like they deal with it, knows that like, they, they tend to not, they're not as strikey and flighty as like a monocle cobra because right. they know what they are. Like, yeah, it's, it's something different, you know, so. It's been a bit of an eye opener. You know, like I said, we have a lot of monitor experience, but that's, it's different, so. Even when you handle like a big indigo, yeah, you know they don't bite because they don't need to. Yeah, you yeah. know they know that they're the king of their their domain, and you know yep. they, they 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 just run shit. Now, as cool as komodos are, and I like komodos, and and you know the 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 small Jurassic Park kid inside of me, it's the closest you're going to get to like 
dinosaur. Other than like cro- crocodiles are cool, but come on, I don't know. Just look in the face. But oh. croc monitors to me are the coolest large monitor. I don't know what it is about the eyes of a croc monitor when you look into their eyes, but it just. I've, I've had a lot of them. We kept a group of ten for a while. And, well, that's uh, a lot. It was a lot, and uh, we got eggs from them. This is this is quite a while ago. And um, that is one monitor species that we were never able to hatch. And I, I, I thought about getting back into them again because our eggs would develop. We get blood vessels, but we were never able to get them to hatch. And I don't know what we were missing at the time. This was probably back in uh, 2003, maybe, give or take, something like that. And um, I don't know what we were missing, but we had, we had a nice group of them, and we were getting eggs pretty consistently. And uh, just for whatever reason, man, we hatched all the other monitors, you know, that we were doing water, blackbird, Argus, you know, whatever. But that that one eluded us. I've, I've thought about acquiring a couple again just to take a run. Because I, I do like them. I, I don't like them as much. I like Komodos and just from a personality standpoint. That's a beautiful animal. Oh, Crocodile monitor is a beautiful animal, man. It's whenever you, so it's the eyes. When it, Whenever you see the scene in Jurassic Park where they look at the, the Velociraptor's eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the same eye, like that. That is a that's a croc monitor. Yeah. Um. And, and it's funny because they're not as big as komodos, but I'd be more afraid of if someone had like a big male komodo and a big male croc monitor, and they're like they're both puppy dog tame. You can touch either one. I don't think I'm going near the croc monitor. It scares me more t- for some reason. Just I've, yeah, I've it's like thirty pounds and a komodo weighs you know two fifty. You know, I mean, it's a big difference in body weight on the animal. But um, but I understand what you're saying because I, I never really trusted mine. I had one to. We got from a guy. He took it in the shower with him every day. <laughs> yeah. Just screw that. Yeah, it was like a seven, eight foot long animal. And he took it in the shower. He had like a mm. like a perch for it in the shower. So he would put it in the shower and he would shower with it. And uh, and that was the calmest one I ever had. That mm. thing super like it was like having like a black or or monitor, but um, but he was uh, super calm. But yeah, I wouldn't. I would. I never really trusted him. You know, if, I never if, did. So. If that croc monitor decided that he wanted a Vienna sausage, not <laughs> 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 much you're doing the stuff. You know, if you go to their Facebook page, the first video he posted yesterday is of one of the um, Komodos. The Komodos eating. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So they're not on display yet, Chris. No, we have them in our kind of like our nursery area. He's, he's like, no, they're mine. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> what is this whole on display? They're my, they're my Komodo dragons. He says the dragons are growing fast. It won't be long before they're, they are on they're, display. They're growing fast. Enjoy the pictures, assholes. They're my Komodo dragons. Yeah, five years. That's like so. Like, when I worked when I worked at the zoo, you know, they have the uh, you know AZA zoos have the the list of like what's available, and. Um, my director made the mistake of one day giving me the list and going, Hey, what do you want? <laughs> I was like, okay. And so I ended up with a black headed Python, which I couldn't own. And two, uh, Madagascan tree boas, which I couldn't own. They never went on exhibit. There was nowhere in our zoo to put them on exhibit. <laughs> he never even asked me where I was going to put them. And they were off exhibit. And I just played with them. They, they were, they're off exhibit. And I would go hold them and play with them. And I'm like, there's no, I, we didn't have an Australia snake exhibit for the black headed Python. Nothing. <laughs> So. Yeah, we'll we'll let we'll let them out. I guess probably we've talked about it probably next year sometime. You know, so <laughs> my dad my dad says he couldn't fathom your collection. He says it was a huge step for him to get a golden fucking doodle. <laughs> <laughs> we need to take your dad out. We do when he comes down. We'll have to. When take are him. you coming again, Sam? Here? Yeah, yeah. Whoa, yeah. whoa, <laughs> whoa! Don't ask him. Yeah, like, yeah I know that's his, a personal I know his question. Response. 
Oh, uh, Logan actually asked when Sam was going to be here again. He's about to take a. He's planning a huge motorcycle ride, like all the way out to like Wyoming, uh, from Alabama. Interesting. Yeah, you know, they get old, they retire, and they have free time to do stuff. Apparently, <laughs> I don't know what retirement is. I've realized that it will never happen for me. Uh, so, uh, so talking about the zoo and all. How many species of crocodilian are you up to now? Actually, I'm paring them down. Uh, we're taking animals that are sitting singly, or um, you know, we're we're already we're going to focus on groups going forward. Uh, we're in a bunch of SSPs, and so we want to only we're going to do in reproductive groups, and we're not trying to do the postage stamp thing anymore. So we moved our Siamese off. I just sent our mugger back to uh, Saint Augustine. Uh, we moved uh, Philippine off already, and with the other Philippine is going to go to Dallas Zoo here in another couple weeks. Um, That's one of those crocs that doesn't do anything for me. The Philippine, yeah, it just it just it's like generic crocodile to me. Like it doesn't. You either love them or they're like what you're saying right here, because I know some people that are like really they just love them. My friend Johnny Miller, he just loves them, and. Uh, so you know, you just that's for a lot of people they're the pinnacle, and a lot of people you know they're not, and then. You know, we moved all our caiman off. We're not keeping any more caiman right now at Good all. Call. Yeah, we just you know what happens is you know with these bigger species that we keep, you end up with uh, limited winter space, and yeah. if there's and if it's being occupied by smaller, like you know, our forte is really big crocodiles and big animals, and, and being in Texas, we can go ahead and, and maintain them in the the temperatures that we have here, and we can do well with them. But like we're northern zoos where I think they should do. They don't always, but I think the Philippine is a great choice for them. It's a, it's a really rare crocodile, well, maybe the rarest, and um, it's smaller. You know, you can do a good job with that species. You can do a good job with caiman. You can do, you know, a lot of that. For the bigger animals like the Temistema and, you know, your Nile crocodiles, your saltwater crocodiles, they just do good and better in southern climates. You know, they just, you know. And so rather than us taking some of our space and using it for, uh, smaller species that other zoos can kind of pick up. We're just going to focus on our, like I said, we have three breeding pairs of Temistema. And so, you know, three years from now, they're going to come online and we're going to have a pretty big display with them. They're getting bigger pretty fast. And uh, they're a pretty exciting project. And I'm really excited about that project. So, Well, I'm just saying, if you need to move off some Chinese alligators, I know a place. Uh, I guess half our group is St. Augustine. Uh, you know, yeah, and I, I think we have, we have about, there's probably about, 10 or 11 of them still here. Things but. fall off trucks all the time. So, you know, <laughs> it happens. We'll breed, them, we'll breed them again this year or try to breed them. You know, we, we switched our males and uh, last year we didn't go, but I'm thinking this year they'll do better. So, sure. so we gave them a new enclosure too and everything. That first year you do that, it's often a miss. So. I just want to volunteer to come take care of Chinese alligators at the zoo. That's all I want. <laughs> I, I tell you, that's the one, it's one of the things I miss the most about being a zookeeper. Uh, I don't miss the paycheck at all. Uh, but I miss working with crocodilians like that and yeah. giant tortoises are the two things that I miss the most. And I guess it's probably cause it's the two kind of reptiles I can't own. Like, so I don't get a chance to do it, but I loved working with crocodilians. Yeah. The day to day of them is hard to beat. It really is. You know, so it's just such a man. I don't even know. I can't describe it. It's just, it is such a, we view them as teammates here. They're just part of the family, but, uh, it just that's an amazing animal. Every one of them, and they are a little bit different, you know. Like the Nile, the Nile, and this thing about talking about that discussion is we, you know, the Nile's 
they are man eaters. I mean, there's no way to dance around that or anything like that. But the the other side of them is they're one of the easiest crocodiles to work around. You know, they they calm down so nice, man. The group that we have here now, everyone that's here has been born here. Yeah, which makes which makes a difference. Um, but man, they're they're so easy to work around. I mean, in general, I mean, they're not. I wouldn't trust them like I trust an alligator, but it's it's not too far different because. I've had now crocodiles out there. I take a weed whacker and I weed whack around them. They won't even move or bother me because they the whole outline of the crocodile done in grass. You know, <laughs> mine are great until the one day the one female decided to jump into the pool at face level and come for me. Uh, she was great till then. What? The other one was wonderful, but it was that one time when I was like, okay, now I've realized I cannot turn my back on you ever again. Yeah. Well, the problem with a lot of like our enclosure is really big, so we have a lot of like room to run. And yeah. Run this stuff. like we're not face to face with them. This all was the time. not. This was one of those parts of an old dude that had always been there. And then they're like, let's build a fence around it and turn it into a crocodile exhibit, which wasn't a horrible idea. It was cool looking, but like it had, it just, there wasn't a lot of land space built into it. And so she was sitting on the edge of the pool and it's like a four foot deep pool. And I'm sitting in it, like cleaning up leaves. And she just turns and leaps straight out into the pool and flops down four feet onto the concrete. And it had a waterfall and I ran straight up the waterfall and out of there. I was like, I'm done. I was like, the pool's hers. It's clean enough. I'm good. I've seen some crazy enclosures, man. Some people come. Well, I saw this one guy. He has a he built his chain link fence around his pond, but he didn't put a gate in it. So he has to <laughs> climb up a ladder and then climb down the ladder to go in and out of the enclosure. And I'm just going like, God dang, man, that's a horrendous design. Well, <laughs> I, just, I can tell you, I can tell you when it's bad. So it's not there anymore because they've redone that part of the zoo. But so the zoo we worked at has been had been around since like the 20s, and so there were some like you remember. You know, remember the old like 1930s, 1940s round concrete base round bar cages for like monkeys and stuff, and yeah, yeah. It's had like some of that. Well, there was one. It was a it was an angled like wrought iron chain link fence kind of thing, and it just angled over the pond. The actual land part was about the same size as the pond. It wasn't very large, and so <laughs> to drain the pool, of this it was a giant male American croc. To drain the pool, you had to put the T-handle. You had to lean over the thing, and the, the part to put the T-handle is right there at the pool where he's laying. So and so you have to lean over right there in front of his mouth to put the T-handle in and turn it. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, that was miserable. And the gate was so old, there was no going through the gate. So if you had to get in, you kind of had to go over that angled, uh, angled iron and drop down in there. And so to get out, you also had to jump over the angled iron to get back out. Luckily, okay. one, usually once he got out of the water you were good. It's just, you just had to convince him to get out of the water. And that's the, that was the whole, he was not having that. I mean, he was probably 12, almost 13 foot male American crocodile. And he, and, and he, he would let you know it. I've only been face to face with one of them in the water one time. And I don't ever want to do it again. <laughs> that, that was, and that was actually a big, what's now, what's now called, uh, such as crocodile is such as back then. We just called them West African now crocodile. Yeah. But, uh, so we had a temperature gauge in the pond. It was like freaking 11 o'clock at night or something like that. So I'm out there. I just wanted to check the water temps to make sure we were good. And because it was probably like a 40 degree night or something like that. But um, so I go out there and this stupid gauge had probably come off the bank, maybe two feet or something like that. So I reached to go get the gauge. But I guess there was a little bit of dew on the edge of the grass. And I slipped feet first right oh, down shit. in the water. Mm. Yeah, so I, when I slide down in the water, so I pop up because I'm like, I went down in deep, you know. So I pop up, and there he is right there. Oh, shit. Like, like, I'm not joking. He's like literally a foot and a half from me. 
Like I'm, I slid under the crocodile, I guess, with my feet, or he was down there, and then he popped up, scared the living shit out of me. And so I, <laughs> I just explode out of the water, so, like a cartoon go running across the top of the water. I, mean, I, I must look ridiculous because I was flying out of this water. You know that crocodile never moved. Well, because what's funny yeah. is he could have had you. There's no matter oh, how fast you moved. He could have grabbed me by the head, and that would have been all she wrote right there. And uh, probably I'll never move. And then when I got out of the water, I looked back at him, and I said, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember if I mentioned last time you were on or not. So the, the other than that Nile Croc coming after me, the only other close call I ever had was was a learning experience. Thankfully, it was not – I didn't lose anything. But we used to have a big pit of uh, four-foot alligators, four- to five-foot alligators. And uh, there was one small American croc down in there. And I'd hop down in there, get them all in the water, and then people would sit on the bridge, and I'd feed them. And, and, and they'd sit there, and you just toss water, food into their mouth, whatever. Well, one day, the American croc is all the way in the back, and it just does not want to come eat. It doesn't want to move. I can't convince it. So it's like, okay, whatever. So I'm feeding alligators, and all of a sudden, I feel something grab my pants leg and yank. And I look down, and there's the American croc. And luckily, it just got fabric and not leg. I was like, that's a real quick learn. Okay, everyone is in front of me at all times. Yeah. <laughs> You stay in front of me, but yeah, that one scared me. Huh? And luckily, I mean, it's a, I say it's a small American croc. It still would have, it still would have hurt. It would not have been good. Yeah, oh, yeah. I got put in the hospital by like a four, four and a half foot one. You know, so yeah. I was ever in the hospital with them. But you know, speaking of people want to keep them that day, and it wasn't even big, and it just happened to catch me. You know, and off I went for multiple hand surgeries. You know, so that's why I just. They're, they're also one of those animals, and for a lot of pets are, for, unfortunately, but reptiles are definitely one of those animals. People are like, well, I'll get it now, and by the time it gets bigger, I, I'll have something big enough for it. Yeah. And that's almost never true. Yeah, and that's why crocodilians, somebody mentioned in one of the comments on one of these, and I thought this part, they said crocodilians are relatively inexpensive to purchase and pose like even, you know, a purebred dog. And there, there is some truth to that. And um, they kind of go through this thing where, when they're a hatchling, because the market on them is, is bigger, just like anything else, more people are willing to buy a hatchling animal because they can house it. The pricing is higher. And then when it's an adult animal, if it actually managed to get to that point, you know, you have your, your zoological institutions, your breeders, you know, that might be interested in them. But when that weird middle part, when it's like, say, three to five feet, the animal really doesn't have much value because it's really not of interest to somebody who wants a bigger animal. No one smaller wants the smaller can keep it. And so you're kind of stuck trying to find a home for it. Yeah. You know, and so that's, that's why a lot of them get, you know, basically donated over when they're that size, you know, assuming they get that far. So what scares me every time I see one of these neighborhood groups somewhere going, what's this? And they'll take a picture of like an, of like a crocodile or a caiman in their, in their pond in their neighborhood. Every now and then it's, it's an alligator, but I've seen a few since I've moved here where they've taken a picture and I've gone, oh shit, that's not an alligator. Yeah. Someone's asking what that, I'm like, ugh, hope they get that. one up in Cyprus a few weeks ago. And yeah. We were like, eh. yeah, we had that sent to us. That was an interesting picture right there. Yeah. yeah so. I don't know if they ever found that one or not. Yeah. I don't, I never heard anything other than that. <clears> that was kind of a flurry of activity with it. I never heard anything past that. Yep. The, it's just. I, I worry about some people releasing those kinds of things, you know, especially in Texas where like you can release and it can live for almost most of the year. And if it gets in the right spot, it can make it through the winter probably. Yeah. I think um, like we've had, you know, we have to do so much to keep ours alive in the winter. I don't, I don't know. It would take a really special circumstance. I think they really get one to survive here. We'd have to, in a mild winter. Yes, they, they would, but 
I think that, um, like, we run the well on them and stuff like that. And I think if they were in a deep, relatively stable, protected body of water where the temperature would not drop radically, you might get one to get through if it was an adult. Yeah. I don't think a smaller animal is going to make it. I think it wouldn't have enough body mass to survive. But, um, but you wouldn't want to try it either, you know? So, other than the, we've talked about the crocs, we've talked about tortoises, we've talked about goats. What else do you have out there? Besides, also the Komodo, we, we know you got Komodo dragons. Yeah, but <laughs> uh, well, what else? Do- <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it stops any conversation of anybody comparing a reptile ever. Like if you can go, yeah. I got Komodo dragons. The only you thing. Because there's some places that one, you know, yeah, yeah, two. But you're like, I, I can make more. <laughs> now, I guess the only thing, like, if if you can get like qualified to be able to get Fiji banded iguanas, because yeah, I'm surprised those haven't they'll show up a little bit more often. Because I, I know there's a few floating around, you know, in the in the AZA world, and maybe a lot of places don't even do much with them. You know, like Houston has one now, and they got it sometime this year. Yeah, they've had them up there for a while. Have they? Know. Oh yeah, for years, and uh, but I don't even know if they put them on display. There's one on. There's one on display now, so it must have been off for since I moved here. Uh, I always see them in the back when I'm in the back up there. I always see them. I don't know how many here they still have, but they used to have a a reasonable number of them. I think that's always such a shame that that. That's one other reason I hate Canada. They can own own them. They can own them, and we can't own them. (laughs) That's such a cool. I don't know if I don't know if it's a cool lizard because we can't own them or not. It's a very pretty lizard. Yeah. like it's I'm not even a big iguana fan. I mean, we got a, we got Pecanata here, and we got rhino iguanas. And I was actually telling my staff today, I don't like iguanas, and uh, <laughs> you know, so, but we have them. And then we got, like I said, we, we really expanded our turtle group over the last year, and um, so we have quite a. We probably got twenty species of turtles out here now. But um, they didn't know, have the Aldabras when we were there, did they? No, I don't think so. No, we probably did when we were here. Uh, it would be Mother's Day two years ago coming up. Oh yeah, they've been here for like eight or nine years. Oh, how do we miss them? I don't know. They they were off to the left when you first walk in. They were smaller. You know, oh like, yeah, we did see them right when we walk in. They were. In oh the, yeah. Yep. I do yeah, remember that. In close, yep. Yeah, so they've been here for a little bit, but um, but yeah, we got a lot of like we have the the black breasted leaf turtle. We got a big group of those. We got the uh, Eosemi spinosa. We got Wait, a group of is the black breast is that the one that has the goofy ass face? Yeah, I love them, man. They're <laughs> this big. Yes. Awesome turtles, you know. So we have a lot of fun with them. That's a pure fun turtle right there. They, ha- I saw the first one I saw one was at Houston Zoo, and I was like, that turtle looks amazing. I want that turtle. That turtle every morning. And we have, like I said, we got a group of them. They come up to the front of there, look at their tank, and they sit there and they stare at it like it's like, it's like giant eyes like this. And everybody that walks through, they're all staring at you all the time, you know. And they're just, it's just a funny animal. That is yeah. the it is the goofiest face. I'm like, oh, that would be an awesome one. I, I love them. They're they're really cool. And then we got, of course, we got a bunch of box turtles. We got uh, cool and box turtles, the three toes, the eastern, the ornates. Um, we just got a lot. It's just it's just been a lot of stuff. So. so we talked earlier about how I think alligators would make a be- great pet. And we talked about how they could live through our winters and all that. And it, it, the, if someone was going to own one, I wish you could own that in Texas. Another one, and I know Robert and I talked about it. We talked about how sulcatas don't make great pets. I wish there was a way to own Texas tortoises in Texas. Like I get they're protected, but yeah, size wise, care wise, would be such a better tortoise for the general public to own. If you get them young in our area, they don't they don't do well in our area if they come up as adults though. 
Really? Well, I don't you know. know. If- they do not adapt to our humidity up here really well at all. They like the a little bit. We've had a, we've had people bring adults to us, and you know they used to say the life expectancy of them would be like six months in our area if you brought the adult up from down there, and <laughs> we get a little bit more out of them than that <clears throat> when they're an adult. But if you bring them up when they're small, they adapt just fine. I went and got one out of someone's yard in Manville about six months ago. Did you? They just found it crawling across their yard. And uh, I called a bio- the biologist for the county, and he was out of town, so he had me go get it. I kept it for a couple of days, but I had a show. So our friend Megan, uh, she ended up keeping it for about she had it two or three weeks before he finally arranged a place for it to go. And when I went and picked it up, the guy's like, yeah, look at this picture. There had been one that had been hit by a car that was dead in his ditch a couple of weeks before. Wow. Um, People all the time we have a permit for them we're allowed to keep we actually i think i'm not sure we have one out here right now because we moved them off quite a bit but um there was a time when i was back when i was still teaching that the students would have like their relatives out you know where their range was and they would just bring them back all the time it was like an insane number of those construction guys so they would just find them and they'd bring them back so what host, what host stock do you have out there now we have black buck. We have a herd of black buck. We have wildebeest, uh, water buck, and eland. Black buck is the only thing I've ever, only host I've ever been attacked by. Yeah, there. You should see what they do to each other, man. Well, that was the. It was when I interned, and the keeper was like, "He's just playing," and I pinned him down to the ground. I'm like, "I don't play like that." Like this, like we, he got him like pinned in a in a run. We were bringing him in for the night, and he just like went up, and I'm like, I grabbed the little spikes and I drove him down, and she's like, "He's playing." I'm like, "No." One of no, the ranches not. I used to guide on was 6,000 acres, but it had like this, they called it a hay meadow in the middle that was about 100 acres. And uh, there was two black buck males that lived in there. And they had an imaginary line down the middle of that pe- that hay meadow that they would stand at and stare at each other. <laughs> <clears throat> well, one day, one of them crossed it. And that, I saw them out there chasing each other. And then a couple hours later, I went out there and the ones laying there bleeding because well, yeah, the one gored it. Yeah. We had to go put it down, and uh, you know the watch, man. do what? They're fun to watch. They get a little springy thing uh-huh. when they start pronking. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like uh, the guy that kept uh, bison near my college town. He had two males, and he said uh, they lived fine until one day. He said they'd get chasing each other, and they would just run straight through pine trees, like just mow them down like toothpicks. And then one day, one of them got pinned up in a, in a little barn there and killed the other one. We had uh, bison until last roughly March or April. It's just too damn hot. They were just suffering in the heat down here in the humidity. And I, we just decided we we're going to go ahead and just do all African hoof stock. Yeah, because you had great white buffalo. Yeah, you had bison yeah, over like, there. They were a lot of fun. They really were. They were hard on fences, though. God dang, man. They're oh, hard. yeah. I mean, they're constantly pushing on something. And, uh, and, and with minimum like, effort. Yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, they just go up and scratch and the whole damn fence fall over. And now. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, they just kind of work, but the, the the antelope are a lot easier on fencing as a whole. Even the big eland compared. I mean, compared to the bison, I mean they're they're nothing, and the eland's a big animal. You know? Eland's so, a big animal. Yeah, I had to skin one one time, and that was a job. There's a lot of cool Af- <laughs> skinning. Yeah, I was that ranch I worked yeah. on was a you know I work in hunting ranch, South Texas. Have so, you eaten? Eland? I have. Everybody said it's really good. It is. It's. Uh, I put Elon and Nil guys my top two, and they're both. You know, it's a very similar animal. Yeah, because like everybody's telling me Elon. I've had multiple people tell me it's the best they've had, the best thing you can eat. So I don't know. But. 
Yeah, I, uh, there's a lot of cool African host talk though that you could you could have out there. Like bongos are cool. Well, we had bongo for years, and then we moved off our bongo herd about two and a half, three years ago. Right, right when COVID was starting, they were they were one of the and, and that has probably been one of my bigger animal mistakes because we we were doing well with those and we bred them every year and um, and then we sold them because we. At the time, COVID was there, and it was just, we weren't sure what direction we were going to go with our hoofstock, and so they were they were very high valuable animals. So we sold them, and now we sold them too early because literally within a year to eighteen months later, the price on that animal went through the roof. Oh. <laughs> female bongo used to be roughly thirty thirty five thousand, and now if you want to buy a female bongo, it's one hundred one ten. Jesus, jeez, man. Yeah, I mean it's nuts. It's it's really really nuts. So. Can you get Okapi? I have not seen one available in a long, long time, so I don't, I don't know what they're. That would be a tougher one to grab. It's one of my favorites. It's just such a weird animal. It's like a zebra fucked a giraffe. Like I just love them. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But looks like a great investment, though, man. It really is. I mean, it's is it's probably if you can keep them alive. I mean, it's which you're you know good diet. You're gonna do pretty good with them. But it's just I always tell people like as far as like an investment. If you're going to invest in an animal, I think hoofstock is, you know, if you want to actually make money on an animal. I mean, you can make money on reptiles, you know, but hoofstock is just a whole different fact. My only yeah. problem with, with hoofstock is uh, some of them are easier to get. And uh, so some of these small, like, roadside zoos, which are really just large pastures, and, like, they'll drive you through on a tractor and you can feed stuff um, mm-hmm. because crazy horse ladies can also buy exotic animals. Uh but I, there was one where I used to live that had zebras, and you could hand feed the zebras. I'm like, fuck that! Like Dude, I know not a zebra at all. I was like, that's I know a- what a zebra can do. I'm like, yeah. that's not a horse. No, they're rough. That's a rough animal, right there. It is. I'm like they can pick up a grown man and chunk him. Well, like, there's a guy. Right will. Here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there's a guy here in Manville that has uh, right here on on uh, Croy. Uh, no, no, what's that called? Um, I forget. But he's got a zebra. He's got a zebra, emu, a, a emu, and a dromedary camel. Yeah. Just wow. in a, about like right on the side of the road. You can just there in about an acre. Yeah. Two, two of the three I don't trust at all. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> We've been chased by camels a couple times, you know, in different low places. And yeah. I'll tell you what, when they're in rut, that's a scary. Animal. Well, I've heard yeah. they can just like pop your well, head. They, like, a, they can fit your whole head in their mouth. And they had a camel in Georgia last summer killed. Killed a guy and his uh, grown, like a, a 60 year old man and his grown son. Yeah. At a, at some like a little zoo. And they were doing a camel interaction, and it was in rut, and they shouldn't have had it out there, and it killed both. That's of them. because you get crazy, crazy horse people who think they understand yeah. hoofstock. Yeah. Well, yeah, they want to go pet everything, get in there with it, rub off. Well, that was a girl that hired on when I hired on at the zoo. I told you before, she was hired on. She had to take care of the deer, and and she had a there was a female deer who had a baby, and I was like, hey, you need to be careful in there with her. And he's like, she's like, I've been kicked by a horse. I'm like, that's great, but that's not a horse, like. <laughs> And so one day it got her in the barn, pinned her into a wall, and began boxing her ass into the corner. And afterwards, she came to me. She, she was like, "You're right. That, that, that's not the same as a horse." I was like, "I know. It's, yeah. Other hoofstock are not horses. Like that's that's why when I see people hand feeding zebras, I'm like that's not a horse." I actually think they're more far more difficult to deal with than crocodiles. You know, crocodiles are pretty straightforward. I mean, you know, just they're pretty straight ahead. I mean, I actually think the hoofstock and the damn kangaroos are worse than oh. anything. Well, because you know, crocodiles don't lull you into come and pet me and love on me, right? Oh, yeah, 
I think every injury we've had out here over the last five years has almost always been because of our kangaroos. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. Oh, we, yeah. uh, you my, the shit out of our staff, you know? A year ago last week, my wife and I, I had a guy buy uh, a bunch of racks, and it was at a zoo up in um, North Texas called Oak Meadow Ranch. And uh, we got to go stay up there. Uh, they have a Airbnb that's attached to their zebra barn. No, giraffe barn. Giraffe barn. <laughs> giraffe barn. Giraffe barn. Sorry, giraffe yeah. barn. So we got to stay in there and, and feed the giraffe all night and sit there. You wake up in the middle of the night and giraffe's looking in the window at you. <laughs> Chris, for a second, was like, Chris was like, you couldn't fucking pay me enough to sleep with, <laughs> no. ze- with zebras. Well, that was, that was yeah, cool, but man, the, the care of that giraffe, the stuff they told us that they have to do for that giraffe is... So this little place in Louisiana where I lived at one point had two giraffes and one died shortly after they got them. And I'm like, just because you can buy it doesn't mean you should buy it. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna. They got. I mean, we feed like our host stock every day. We we go overboard though because I just I like to do this kind of stuff with them. I mean, they get alfalfa every day. They get a protein pellet every day. They get two kinds of grain a day. You know, then they have their natural grass to go and eat. It just makes. I just like to do it because I I just think it makes for a better animal all the way around. Yeah. I know a lot of those places. They try to use like this this, this petting zoo diet, which is basically like eating cardboard. Yeah, and then they wonder why their animal doesn't reproduce or just drops dead. You know, what yeah. I mean, well, you know, it's cheap. That's why they do it. I mean, they're making money off of it. But to, to give you what you need to know about the people that own this place, that I worked for a short stint at PetSmart, and they came in looking for food for a parrot, and I thought they may have just gotten the parrot. They'd had it for a while. They're like, "What do we feed it?" I'm like. How long have you had it? And they'd had it for like months. I'm like, what have you been feeding it? How do you? <laughs> and then I asked him, I said, Hey, why, why don't y'all ever get like alligators out there? I'm like, Oh, cause we don't have to feed. We don't have to feed live food. What do you mean? Feed li- who? What do you, that's not how you feed alligators. Like you don't have to feed them live. The fuck are you feeding them? <laughs> I'm amazed sometimes, man, by some of these, these folks in these places. I mean, it's just, they see, some people see it as a way to make quick buck, you know, and it turns out that it's not a quick buck. No. And, you know, it's definitely it's not a quick buck. <laughs> you know? so, that's but, yeah. and that's well, and that mirrors the hobby, the reptile hobby as well, right? A lot of people get in and just go, "I'm going to make a quick buck," and then they realize they don't want to clean up shit. Yeah, I'm kind of like a diet freak, though. I really like. I always tinker with the diets. I like to really, I like to kind of dial the animal in, you know, and stuff like that. Y'all do. I don't even do- I'm even doing with our commoters right now. You know, we're we're rotating through the meats we're using with them and, and that kind of stuff. So. All right, I do agree with with Darren. We could feed them all the feral cats. That's a it's a great alligator <laughs> diet, feral cat diet. It's, I'm sure yeah. that uh, our wild alligators get a few around here. I'm pretty sure ours have eaten. We've had a few run around here, and then they just disappear after a while. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they get clogged. Yeah, because where you're at, I could see people dumping cats out there. Yeah, I think they're okay in the winter. You know, they always just disappear when the springtime starts heating up. So I know they're getting clipped. I mean, they just, yeah. they're getting bold. they're bold in the winter. Because I watched this one cat one time. He went down into the water to get a drink, and it's like, you know, it's like fifty degrees. I'm going like, dude, you do that a month from now. <laughs> it's just not going to end. I'll tell you one. One James said his hoof stock that he doesn't like is black buck. Mine was a sable antelope. Oh, they could be really rough. Uh, so the the ranch I worked on shortly after I left, they actually had an employee killed by a sable. You know, uh, it's interesting in Texas, and, and this is I haven't heard about a year for about a year now. But for a, there was about four or five years, there was at least one guy getting killed by hoofstock every year. Yeah, where a guy got killed by an axis, and a guy got killed by a barasinga. Mm-hmm. And, 
and they go in there with Rutt, and these guys are just taking a horn to their, their organs, you know. Yep. Just them and- this guy was on a zero-turn mower mowing in an, in an enclosure where this sable was, and it came up behind him and hit him just above his tailbone and uh, was, I mean, you know, a sable, that, that's 36, 38-inch horn, and it's carved, curved like this, and it was coming out like this. Oh, fuck. Yeah. They yeah, had to, it was bad. Yeah, you can't tell you. You just can't take it for granted. I mean, I don't anyway because they're all they're they're big, they're fast, they have horns. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, like so, uh, we had a white-tailed deer. The male, he's well, we had multiple males. We fixed the other ones for the your antlers, and so. Oh yeah, you know people would always go by and look at all the females. I'm like, well, two of those guys are males. We've just cut the nuts off. They don't have antlers. Yeah. Uh, but we had one male, and the rules always go in there with somebody because because during the rut yeah. he definitely gets you. But so I'd always be the other person. You know, keep her going there and clean. And I was like, I'll go in with you. And so he'd come to me. I would just grab his antlers and throw his head down and shake him. And he like, he didn't know what the fuck was going on. And he would just turn around and walk <laughs> off. He's like, okay, I don't, I don't like that. And he would walk away. And I'm like, you just can't be a forget. You can't one. You can't turn your back on those things. Nope. And you definitely can't be afraid. Like you can't just like pussyfoot around them. Like they're because and some of the big ones you just can't be in front of them because they'll go through you. Yeah, that's a, yeah, they're right. And Elon can run 40 miles an hour, man. He's like freaking weighs 1,700 pounds or whatever. What are you going to stand in front of that thing? Yeah, they are <laughs> massive. That's a massive animal. <laughs> yeah, there's not much, not much you can do to them. Yeah. How do you? So what is what is your your safety procedure for going out and dealing with large hoofstock? Like, I know we should be like, hey, what's your safety procedure for dealing with 15 foot crocodiles? But I'm like, I'm more interested in the hoofstock. Well, most of ours, when it comes to dealing with our hoofstock for our safety, like that, we, we always use teams, like you were talking about there. And we have a lot of room to move around. So the, the main safety thing you do is you just don't get pinned down by yeah. them. Also, the nice thing about our group that we have now is they were all born here for the most, well, not the wildebeest, but, um, but, they, they're a little bit standoffish when there's no food, so it actually really enhances our safety. Like, we, you never want to bottle raise a male. I mean, God, I, I see that sometimes. I'll see it on the, some of these Facebook groups. I'll say it's a bottle raised male, whatever it is. I'm going, God, that's going to kill somebody one day, you know? I mean, yeah. you, just, you do not want to bottle raise male any antelope, really, let alone an eland or a water buck or a sable or anything like that. You know, I just think that's a disaster. But, you know, and then, of course, you know, if anything would really happen where you wouldn't want to go we have we have a blow gun here as far as that goes and we have a bigger gun just in case for you know emergencies yeah which we've never had to use and hopefully never will use but, um, you know what an eland is yeah i've seen yeah it's a massive animal it's a thousand pound you know yeah yeah they uh well that was yeah when we were to the zoo we had the you had the dart team who would go out and dart an animal if it ever got loose and whatever and then you had the kill team and it was always harder to get people to sign up for the kill team because they're like i don't want to shoot these animals i was like yeah, you know, we've never, like I said, we never had to do it. But it's, yeah. that's, I, mean, I was, I was always like, I'll do it, like because I, I can compartmentalize. Like if, if it's loose and it's gonna, if it's a danger, I can kill it. Like I, I it would suck afterwards, especially if it's an animal. Well, you have to, you have to do it. You have to do it. Like you know, there's, there's a story you probably heard about the rhino that was running loose, and uh, I'm not gonna tell you where or anything like that. Lafayette, Louisiana. I'm not, I'm not gonna say. <laughs> I know because I know the story behind that zoo, and I fucking hate that zoo. And I will well, say it out loud. I mean, took, they weren't prepared, and the animal went down into the subdivision, and it took 25 shots to drop it. That it animal never should have been killed. I, I, don't, don't get me wrong; it should have been killed when it got out, but it never should have been put in a situation where it had to be killed. Yeah, we talked about that on here before. 
that's what happens when people that don't know animals buy a zoo. And yeah, it's just, you know, and that's just, there's just some animals like that. And, you know, I think when you're in the zoo world, and, and, and I, and I'm a latecomer too. And I mean, I've been doing it now for 20 years, but, um, I'm with no means. I mean, I was a biology teacher. So, I mean, you, you learn through the school of hard knocks as you go. And now I've been in it long enough. I, I pretty much know how, you know, the things you're going to have to do to, to be successful, you know, like, you know, you're from all your perimeters and safety and all that stuff. When you first start doing this stuff, you know, I mean, you're kind of like flying a wing and a prayer, you know, <laughs> uh, and you kind of get your shit together. And, it, and then you start looking like, Oh, Hey, yeah, we're, we're, we're real professional now. I said, but, 30 years ago, it didn't look like this, you know? So that's why I understand, you know, and some people, but what I don't understand about folks is why they want to jump into the deep end right away. Right. And uh, when you jump into the deep end with some of these, these heavy hitting animals, you better have somebody on your staff or, or somebody there that, that has experience with them. And um, like on my staff right now, my right hand is Jade, uh, Jade Rossi, Jade Pepper now, but, I mean, she has caught more crocodiles than just about anybody in the United States. And so, and she's right there with me. And, and along with her, you know, there's been several members that have been with me for a long time. But I know it's almost like if I'm out there and she's out there, we know what the other one's thinking. It just works well. But you need people like that when you're dealing with these big, massive animals. Whether And like, I would even consider getting a rhino if I didn't have like rhino experience with somebody there with it. You know? Well, and you can't. The problem is you need people that don't anthropomorphize animals too, because they they get these animals and they think of them like people, and I'm like, they're not. They're not people. They don't think like people. They think like animals. Uh, and we've talked about adding a hippo, like God, oh. probably twenty times. Pygmy, you know? get get a pygmy hippo. I like the I like the big mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, I mean, and I've had them offered to us, and we, I mean, I'm like, when I say twenty times over the last. 20 years i mean it's it's been a pretty frequent Dude, i would love that that was my favorite animal at the houston zoo when they had a- chris just wants one so we can throw watermelons in their mouth that's all he wants well, actually yes i want to throw a watermelon a big hippo's mouth i do i want to do that and, uh, but we wanted like there's no big hippo in the entire houston area and it's a good fit with like what we're doing like now crocodiles and yeah. be, you know and um so we have gone and we've looked at other hippo facilities and we've, we've done our background research and they're a scary animal they are and you know uh and but we everybody tells look you guys can do it you you'll be able, you'll pull it off it'll be fine but one of my good friends Stan Mays who was the curator who used to zoo there for a long time he, he looks at me he says look Chris he says this is the honest good truth about keeping a hippo he says when you go into that hippo barn he says you just have to imagine forty years of hippo shit all over the thing and you have an impression <laughs> yes yes and every single time I start emotionally going I want to get this freaking hippo this would be pretty cool. I think about Stan. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that whole whipping their shit around with their tail just, oh, well, that is. God. All right, I'm 90 years old. I'm out here with a pressure washer blowing this freaking hippo shit off the wall. You know, gate <laughs> number 35,000 or whatever, like it is. And like, you got to really, you got to really, but see, every animal's got a little something like that, you know, but yeah. you're not going to know if you don't go research into it. These folks get these other animals and the rhino runs down a freaking street. And I'm going, like, you know, well, you know, how can, how can that happen, you know, if you're prepared, you know, so. Yeah, that. Well, there's a whole reason I'm not a big fan of that zoo, but that's that's on the list of reasons. Uh, like, it's not even know your limitations. You you should know a rhino is you're not like that's not in your wheelhouse. Right. That's that's you know. I kept camels before. It's not a rhino. I kept horses. It's not a rhino. Like it's 
<laughs> well, the fencing alone is just crazy. But like, like with the hippo, we were talking about doing this, you know, this crazy pipe fencing and like stuff you could basically run a semi into and it wouldn't even move, you know. I mean, that kind of fence for this thing. And and then you go to some of these places and they got like like a freaking, you know, bar wire. Right. <laughs> well, that's, that's like you talk about with, with bison. Like those things are ridiculously strong. Like they, they're just ridiculously strong without even knowing they are. And so yeah, like, that's a brute, man. That's it, just a brutal animal. Like just regular cattle fencing doesn't work. Like cows hit a fence and they go, oh, I'm going to stop. The bison just walks straight through it or she gets to running and just doesn't even realize it ran through it. Right. Well, we got our bison. Everybody was telling us, too, you know, if you have a male bison, if he doesn't have enough females and there's a cow herd anywhere around, he's going to want to go get those female cows when they come in the heat. He says, And they said, it doesn't matter what kind of fence you have. They're not going to stop him from getting over there, you know, so. And my neighbor has this big herd of show cows. So I was like, I was always like worried about that. So we always kept some female bison over there. Cause I'm like, God, man, I don't want my cat, my guy going over there. My neighbor, he's got like 50 cows over there. He's just going to go over there. And, uh, <laughs> the guy goes, Hey, you're uh, your bison's fucking my cows right now. Can you uh, come get him please? That's, that's a weird call to get. You know, you talk about wildebeest. That's an animal that's much smaller than I think people realize. Like, I think people are used to watching them on, like, National Geographic getting eaten by crocodiles. And they always look so much bigger. I think of them as, like, a large animal. But then when you see them in person, they're not as big as you think. No, they're not They're not crazy big. Um, you know, they're probably three, 400 pounds, I would say, on average or something like that. But, uh, you, just, you picture them, like, cow size, and they're not, and they're not they're, cow size. They're really pretty, you know. Um, they kind of, like, when they're out there, it kind of gives the pasture just a different look because yeah. it's such a unique animal you know and they're, they're good looking and such a weird face such a weird face you know yeah they're, they're really cool we hope to have a baby of those next year we we had had them years ago and liked them but we actually moved them off and we brought the bongo in and so we brought them back this year and um we hope to see our first baby next year from them. that'd be awesome yeah. is it oryx that have the x on their face that the black x across or is that the e no there's an antelope one of those antelope out there have like like, like the black X on their face. I can't remember which one it is. There's so many. There's so many different host stock out there. Like that you can get. Um, yeah, that's the cool part about host stock. There is a lot of variety to it, you know. And uh, if you have enough, if you have enough grass for them, you can really get some. But we're trying to just stay with the ones that do well in our area because, like, for, I love sable. Sable will die in our area. You just have to worm them constantly. Yeah, know? really. Yeah, you just can't do it. It's like scimitar oryx, they they're the same way, you know. Just there's a lot of cool antelope like that that I that I personally like. But I love scimitars, and the, the fact that they're basically extinct in the wild. Yeah, but we yeah. have thousands of them in Texas. I, I the ranch I worked on, we had two, we had a pair of dama gazelles. Oh, I like those too. They, they won't were, do good either. They were the dumbest. They'll break. Their, they'll run through shit and break their necks. Like they'll run into stuff. That was always. We would literally have hunters out there shooting. Boom! And the dama gazelles coming up, nuzzling them on the arm. <laughs> hey, you got any corn? Because <laughs> we didn't. Well, talk. Like the rule is not what you would consider a very intelligent animal. I mean, and they do break their necks. You have to really watch. It's actually one of the biggest threats for them. Is you know, is when you, you know get them when they they get too wild and smack into something and die. Yep. You know, yep. So. That was I remember because the the zoo internet had them also, and they're like, you cannot, you have to be very careful around them because they'll just take off and run straight into a fence and kill themselves. <laughs> like, that's a stupid ass animal. Yeah, they were. Yeah, you talking about learning about something the hard way. We our first male bongo we ever got. We had, uh, I mean, it was a nice enclosure. 
ran a fence, killed himself. Ugh. And uh, so what we did then is we solid made the entire enclosure solid. So they could not see through it. So when they see the wall, they will not run into the wall. That's and smart. That's, yeah, that's how we saw. Be talking about living and learning. I mean, there you go, you know. So well, that's what we would trap them. You know, we had they were you know, a round pin, but we had plastic panels that went all the way around it so that they couldn't see out. And we would feed them in there for weeks and, you know, for two or three weeks, we'd have a feeder in there. And then when we got the ones in there, we'd trigger the trap and catch them. Yeah. But that keeps them from running into the walls when you catch them. Then you put them in a trailer that's completely enclosed and uh, get out of the way when you open it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So it's, it's interesting. You know, they're, they're very, I like them. I like them a lot. I kind of consider Crocs my business, but hooks like my hobby. So <laughs> Todd Sanders says he's thinking of getting a pet manis shrimp. <laughs> you know they're so cool you, yeah, like you gotta awesome. put them in bulletproof glass yeah like that's every time you see them in a zoom like they're behind such thick acrylic so that they don't just don't just don't break it right that's a crazy little thing uh i want to do our giveaway real quick for november i said I, I said i would do it at the end um <clears throat> our friends over at colossal constrictors is giving away one of our t-shirts they're going to send you one of our t-shirts and I'll send you some of our stickers as well. Um, so I got all the names here. I got a random number generator and our winner is number. I guess he won. Our winner is number eight, Darren Watson. <laughs> Darren's got to be the luckiest person. He's, he's won before. So Darren, if you're still in the chat, you, you, you want a free t-shirt. Congratulations. So, but you know what? Thanks Darren. Cause you you always comment. Da- he does. Darren and Nathan. And Danielle, always comment on every post, every giveaway we have. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you all. So, Darren, I will see, reach out to you, get your size, and uh, we'll get that shirt sent off to you. And uh, you'll get a free shirt. So, thanks. Uh, and then don't forget anybody listening that we're also doing the giveaway every week in December. You can win a new a, a gift. So, make sure you go over and tell us what you want for Christmas. Um, if it's a Komodo dragon, I, I know who has some. You can So, has, has, has two. Make sure you know he has two of them. <laughs> More importantly, make sure you know he has a pair of them. That's exactly right. He's not just sitting around with two males that can't do anything. <laughs> Although, because with Komodos, you'd be like, have two females, and then you just one day they just have partho babies. And hey, look. You know what's really interesting about that? On the contract, on the funny you mentioned that, on the contract that we have on our female, it, her, if she does reproduce parthogenically, they all belong to the uh, the zoo we are in partnership with. So. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. That's what, that's usually like no no they fucked these are these are these are babies from fucked <laughs> I watched it it happened <laughs> they're not yours yeah that's funny D- Darren says he'll trade <laughs> trade the reptile gumbo podcast shirt for a dragon I, I, I don't think Chris is making that deal oh that's funny Darren you don't get a dragon until I get a fucking Chinese alligator so sit there and just be happy you got a shirt oh uh Chris thanks for coming on man. Oh, yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, guys. thank we you. Time, so. We've got to come back out there. Uh, so Absolutely. during the winter, how, 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 what are your hours during the winter? Like, how, Can people come uh, out? Actually, we run basically the same hours. The uh, winter tour is a really good tour. We take everybody through the big winter building, all the giants. Oh, that'd there. be awesome. Like, Yeah, it's really, it's really kind of different than like seeing them outside. I mean, they're like right there. So it's just kind of a cool way to see the husbandry on them and, and that kind of deal. So The Niles, for the most part, stay outside. The alligators are outside. So the park doesn't really change a whole lot except for the the big tropical stuff comes indoors. And you can go play with goats. Always can play with the goats, man. They're out there <laughs> waiting for you. You still have the lemurs? 
No, we thank God. We moved those away. <laughs> I remember we were there and they were like, don't get close to that don't, guy. Don't touch it. He'll, he'll trick you and make you think he's sweet and then bite your finger off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, about a year ago, we decided that we wanted to uh, end our experience with the with primates and lemurs. And I don't so blame you. I don't trust primates. Facility. And, uh, it was kind of a, an interesting decision because they've been with us for probably like seven years. But... Um, I got to tell you, when we did, I, I didn't miss them. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a good call. Sometimes you make these calls like the bongo, and it turns out, you know, you, you feel probably that was probably an incorrect decision in retrospect. Not with the lemurs. <laughs> that was, that Screw was, the lemurs. That was exactly the correct. I just feel like the kangaroos the next ones to go. Man, I've tried like 80 <laughs> times, and... <laughs> We just built them a brand new kangaroo enclosure with a brand new observation deck because Jade, my right hand, loves them, and there's like zero chance she will ever let me actually. <laughs> just get rid of them and get like wallabies. It's much easier. The smaller. She's go on vacation, come back, and <laughs> just, it's, it's good. They're gonna go, and they come back. It's all wallabies. Goes, well, we they, we dried them and they shrank. So. Uh... <laughs> So now he, he loves big brother. His name's Jack, and she. Oh, I've seen him. He looks like he's on steroids. Yeah. Oh, he uh, he's Titanic, and, but that's her big old buddy. And so there's like zero chance. I mean, I thought like eighty times moving that thing. <laughs> that thing could kick my ass. Yeah, he just kicked much ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we'll have to come out there in the winter and see everybody yeah. in the yeah, in the house. Sounds like there's been a lot of changes yeah. since we were there. Yeah, well, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, whenever you guys are ready, just let me know. So. Enjoyed it. You guys Merry have Chris. a great day. Thank you, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, Hang out for Hang one out second. Hang out for one second, and we'll, let's say bye to everybody. Everybody else will be back uh, next week, next Tuesday. I don't know who we'll have yet. I do have an amazing, I'm going to leak this out there. I'm not saying what it is, but I have an amazing show in two weeks. So if anybody out there, make sure you are free on Tuesday in two weeks. And have your thinking cap on. And come with a lot of questions. I'll, I'll put out stuff beforehand, but it's, yeah. I'm looking so forward to that show. Um, don't forget our giveaway for the month of December. Win you a gift. Go tell us what you want for Christmas. Don't forget code gumbo22 for VivTech. Go out to VivTech. You, you buy stuff from VivTech. We make money. So help us out there. Oh, and thanks to Nathaniel. He's our new uh, Patreon. He just joined Patreon for us. I don't know why he did that. He bought our website and built our website and then just quit giving us money. I mean, I, I know that sounds weird for me to say, but, but, but quit giving us money. Nathan. All right. All right. Good night, everybody. We'll be back next week. Uh, goodbye. Goodbye.